Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We got a bunch of videos coming out of China. Shanghai, apparently. Several neighborhoods. People are filming many other people on their balconies screaming. And it's not just screaming. Some people are just screaming, but it's shrieking. It's wailing. There's a video of some woman screaming, throwing her food in some kind of lockdown center, banging on a, on, on a bed. There are horrifying videos coming out of China right now, and it's a combination of the extreme COVID lockdowns they're going through. Wow, it's like a rerun of 2020, but also the food shortages. We're we're hearing that uh, there's serious food shortages in Shanghai. There's a photo someone posted where they opened their refrigerator, pushed it onto their balcony. It's completely empty. Mm. Now, the scary thing about this is a lot of people in America are... They're biased. There's an optimism bias. There's a normalcy bias. It can't happen here. It can't, but... You got to understand we're closer than uh, people realize. Maybe it won't happen. I'm not telling you that the end is nigh and to scream or anything like that. But we're going to look at some of these videos and it's pretty scary stuff. We got a bunch of other stories as well. COVID lockdowns may be coming back to the U.S. I know our good friend Luke Rudkowski had said to us, it's not going to happen. They're going to ease up. I said it was going to happen. But then when we started seeing all the lockdowns get lifted, I said, I guess I was wrong. Philadelphia is reintroducing their mask mandates. We're getting warnings again from the CDC that COVID is spiking. So it's entirely possible we do get more of these mandates. Plus, you know, we're, we're going to make fun of our good friend Joe Biden, who, uh, what, what, what did he on, say? Man. He said tobacco companies wouldn't be able to sue prostitutes or something or like no, that. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Or it could be prostitute. prostitute. Yes. Hmm. Thank you, Joe Biden. Great. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Joining us today, as we are live in Nashville, we are at the Daily Wire studios, but, you know, we're actually in our mobile command center 2.0. We've got John Rich. How's it going, man? Welcome to Nashville, guys. Thank you. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, John Rich. Uh, you might know me from a duo called Big and Rich, which I think we have one of the silliest songs of all time called Save a Horse Riding. Yes. If you've never heard it, go look it up. It'll, it'll probably put a smile on your face. I've been here a long time, uh, written thousands of songs in this town, and uh, I am a, I'm a son of a preacher, grew up in a trailer park in Texas, and I have a high school diploma. Get, Very cool. Pe- Get up that, on that is too. my pedigree. Yeah, so. You can carry it around with you when Nothing you move back. Nothing fancier, but I'm a fan of you guys, fan of your show, and I uh, was excited when I saw you coming to town, so yeah. thanks for having me on Glad the trailer. Glad to have you. I feel comfortable in trailers. Yeah, perfect. You look good in here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. we got Seamus. Yeah, thank you for coming by. I'm Seamus Coglin. I run a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. We make cartoons, political satire. I think you guys will enjoy my stuff. If you haven't checked it out, we're going to be releasing a video tomorrow and Thursday. Tomorrow's is about Joe Biden. It's one I'm very excited to show you guys. I think you're going to love it. Go there. Subscribe. Check it out. Ian Cross on over here, and can you hear the rain? If yes. not, that's cool, but if so, badass. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's my first time in Nashville. John, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Thanks for making me feel comfortable already. Yeah, everybody's coming to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, it here. seems like, yeah. yeah, I mean, when Daily Wire, uh, I heard Daily Wire was coming to Nashville, I didn't know anybody really there at Daily Wire, but I just kind of blind called him and said, hey, uh, when you finally get to Nashville, let me throw you a welcome to Nashville party at my house. Oh, yeah. And they said, well, we've got like 160 employees. I said, well, the room I'm going to throw it in at my household is 200. Ooh. And it's got a bar and a stage, and it's looking at downtown Asheville, and we bring the band in and, and rock your rock your socks off. They go, 
let's do it. So Have I had fun. Travis Tritt showed up oh and all these musicians showed up. That's and amazing. I looked down and there's uh, there's Ben and Candace jamming and banging their heads. <laughs> yes, great. Ben banging his head oh my. Uh, on the front as Travis Tritt was ripping uh, some Leonard Skinner. So. I love it. That what, is awesome. Why didn't you throw a party for us? Yeah, what <laughs> the, the heck? The crew is coming out. So I, 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 do, I do want you guys to go hit my bar while you're here. I have we a bar downtown. To. I'm giving you a hard time. On Broadway so cool. called Redneck Riviera. You are from West Virginia, so I know what you, oh, you know what that means. That's yeah. the... The work hard, play hard crowd. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know, you guys are young. You can handle that. Oh, for sure. I right? am stoked to have try to John stay this clean, evening. Try to, you know, yeah, gave yeah. up drinking for Lent. I, am, to- I, well, I thought that for our first night in Nashville, we should bring in a musician, and John perfectly yeah. fit yeah. the bill. So I'm so excited to kind of talk about current events with a guy who has some of a music background. Also, I, I mean, we, we talk a lot about building culture. I think it's great to see people uh, in the entertainment <laughs> industry who actually have positive values and aren't acquiescing to the nonsense that the left is telling everyone they have to submit to. So also like, good for you. But I, I want to. Solo. That's what's so great about it. Yeah, mm. your own producer, and I mean, yeah. is, was that fair to say at this point? Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys, we were talking earlier. You know, who owns your content? Mm. I said this guy. Mm-hmm. I own my songs. I own my recordings. I own all my stuff. And you know, I'm very fortunate that I had a career that went well enough for long enough that I could get to the point where I could afford to do my own stuff. You know, I didn't need the big companies anymore. And so, you know, when it comes to artistic expression, I now have nobody telling me what I can say or when I can say it or how I put it out or anything else. So it's it's the ultimate artistic freedom, I think, uh, to be where I'm at. Right on. But don't forget to also head over to TimCast.com. Become a member if you want to support our work directly. We're going to have a members-only show coming up around 11 p.m. Eastern for all of you who want to check that out. Uh, and you'll also be supporting our journalists as a member. So we got a big team that writes news every single day, and uh, we're, we're grateful for their work, and we're grateful, grateful to all of you for supporting us as we endeavor. But uh, don't forget, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, and let's jump into this first story. And I, I find it fascinating that uh, uh, this article from Newsweek is, it's all bright, and the image they show just shows like a, a nice blue sky. When the reality of these videos is actually horrifying, they say, Shanghai residents scream from windows, get drone lockdown warnings. Check this out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this. I hope you guys are ready for some creepy sounds, cause, uh, here we go. Okay, how do I get this to actually play? Well, apparently we can't. There we go. Yeah. There it is. I'm... So there's a lot of people screaming. Here's the crazier video. Check this one out. This one is Shanghai residents go to their balconies to sing and protest lack of supplies. A drone appears saying, please comply with COVID restrictions. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Do not open the window or sing. Yo, that echo is so creepy. So I, I sent this out to a friend and said, you know, who speaks Mandarin, and they said, yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's what the drone is telling people. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Welcome to the future, my friends. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, pretty terrified. Pretty terrified. No, I mean, look, I, I think it's sad. I think what's really striking about this story isn't just what's it's happening in China. I think it's the fact that even without saying it, there are some number of Americans who would have absolutely no problem with this being the policy in the United mm. States. We've clearly given up any drive to have freedom. 
And it is sad to say that it looks like there is a real chance the lockdowns could be coming back. So a couple of years ago, in uh, August of 2020, these videos started going around showing people screaming. When I first saw this video on Twitter, I said somebody got hoaxed. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody uh, took an old video and sent it and said, "Look what's going on in China," and it was a rerun. It was it was it was there was a replay. This person didn't do their due diligence. So I pulled up the old videos. They're different videos. So this is new, and we have multiple sources uh, confirming this, several news outlets reporting on it, and it appears to be true because there's more than just this one video. There's apparently dozens of videos. The creepiest that I have not verified, but there have been reports of people filming taking their lives because oh. there's no food. There's a video There's a video of people fighting in a supermarket. All the store shelves are empty. People have taken garbage bags, and they've filled them with whatever food they can. And they start fighting each other in the stores. I, I, I always joke about this. With the food shortages, you don't want to be in a Walmart parking lot fighting with Agnes over the, cast, over the last can of beans. And I mean it jokingly, but watching these videos of people in China fighting over food in these supermarkets is scary stuff, man. I mean, it's reducing people back to a primal state where you got to potentially kill somebody to eat. I mean, it's as primal as you can possibly get. And you ask yourself, well, why Why would you ever push people to that point? And I think, I think the answer, unfortunately, is that there's really not multiple answers to that. In my opinion, it is, it is a purposeful way to crush people to such a point. You know, it, it's the nobody can lift their hand up for help unless they're on the ground first. You know, and if the government, if the people in power want to say, come on, grab my hand, we'll save you. You got to put them on their knees before they're going to reach up. Yeah. And that if that is the definition of putting them on their knees to the maybe the ultimate way. And I think it's really uh, a dangerous thing for Americans to say that cannot possibly ever happen in America. Really? Let somebody shut the lights off for three months and see what happens in America. Well, I remember what happened in New York during Sandy. And, and, and I, I'm just going to stress this point, man, we're, we're in rerun season, guys, because these are the same conversations we had back in 2020 with these lockdowns. But I was in New York when Sandy hit and the power goes out for an extended period of time. And there's people standing outside of bodegas with like clubs and bats. Mm. One person allowed in at a time. I walk in the store and the guy says all of the perishables are spoiled. Don't take don't don't buy them. The canned stuff and the and the, and, you know, the like the sodas are fine, but they're warm. There was no electricity. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can get what you get cash only. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I remember here in, in North Korea, he basically, Kim Jong un rules by starvation. He starves the populace. They have no strength, literally no power because they don't have any energy or they're lacking of energy from lack of food. They're crawling around on the ground looking for food. People die on the side of the road. This is from Yunmi Park, who escaped. I've listened to her story. Mm-hmm. Escaped from North Korea. Escaped from that mm-hmm. country. Escaped. That's the way they look at it. Uh, China, it looks like this could be... I mean, do they even care about... The, does the CCP care about those people, or do they want less of them? Probably. Is, they they had the one-child policy before. They wanted yeah. less people that way. Well, they, 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 The they, only thing communists are good at producing is human misery and food shortages. And then they just sit on top and... and Revel in the what they have, the, the food. Because I'm thinking like, oh, 
Uh, Yo, it's it's Kim Jong Un's got plenty of food. Xi Jinping's got plenty of food right now. Clearly getting fed. Look at the guy. They're they're central planners. Their view of this is: we don't care about the individual. We care about the machine. And if that means you've got a billion people in China, and they're thinking this is so expensive and difficult to maintain, there's too many people here. So I'm sure they don't care when they're looking at how can we streamline the machine that is the Chinese Communist Party and this country, whatever they want to call it. So, you know, the Republic of China, People's Republic of China. If we want to streamline this, okay, we can stand to get rid of excess and then bring specialists in. They don't view the individuals that they starve out. They don't care. They don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, and on top of that, it's compl- it's totally impossible to centrally plan a supply chain like that. You just can't know where resources should be allocated without people being able to engage in free trade. One issue we saw during the beginning or at the beginning of the COVID lockdowns is that even though food production was considered an essential service, which wasn't shut down, there were still food shortages in some areas. We were getting less meat produced because the packaging materials that people used to send their meat to market were considered non-essential. So small details like this are just going to inevitably slip past politicians and the bureaucrats they appoint to centrally plan the economy. So even if they're making a good faith effort to get people fed, they're just not capable of doing so. Right. Well, and there are quantifiable facts in this country, in America, that that would lead you to believe the only ending, which is there are people that want to see Mm. food shortages happen in America. A couple of examples. One, they've been paying farmers for the past two or three years, I'm from Amarillo, Texas, up in the grain belt, right through the middle of there. They're paying them to to literally mow down and bush hog their soybean crops, uh, don't plant anything this year, leave it all alone. And they're like, they're paying me more money to cut up my soybeans than I would have made on my soybeans, so I'll cut up my soybeans. What, FDR did what, the same thing. What is that thing? called? Fallowing? Mm-hmm. Fallow? Why are they doing they that? It? You yeah, guys are saying no. Well, about. they're Maybe getting government checks to cut them up. But why would the government so, be doing well, that? Well, so there's... there's, there's, there's I could have the word wrong. So, guys, correct me if, if, if I'm getting this wrong. I think it's – can you look it up, fallow? Yeah. And the idea is something to do uh, – you know what? I, honestly, I can't remember. But well, the, it, bl- it blends the nutrients back down into the right, dirt. Right, Because right. if you oh. grow something enough times, mm. you, kill, you take everything out of the dirt. Right. So they'll actually grow a crop and plow it back under. But we, we've been seeing uh, – some of this for political reasons. Is that what it is? Yeah, fallow is usually cultivated land that is allowed to lie idle during the growth season. Right. Okay, so that, that's to renutrify yeah. the system. Well, who okay. owns more farmland right now than any other individual? Bill, Bill, Gates. Bill Gates. Why is yeah. that? What does he know about farming? Yeah, and it's in the last few and, years and he's did, been buying it up. And, now, and why now, did China start buying corn futures like crazy over the past two years? And right. Chinese but, but, investors. But, but. In, in the important context as, uh, as per Bill Gates, he may own the most as an individual, but it's not that much relative to the grand scheme of mm. total available farmland. So a lot of people assume when they hear that it means like <laughs> half the country is owned by Bill Gates. No, he owns a very tiny percentage of the total, but he bought, he owns more than any other individual, mm-hmm. which still, you know, raises the question, why is this guy <laughs> buying up farmland? What's he, what's he, what's he, what's he looking at in the future exactly. for an investment? What is it about food production that he thinks is going to become particularly lucrative very soon here? The people need to eat it. Yeah, Pro- I mean, probably. The, the, the people the, have always needed to eat that's food. That's a little tongue-in-cheek, people, that there's you know, shortages, yeah, but, obviously. No, exactly. I think he knew, or at least he saw it ahead. Maybe he just saw it coming and he could he could read the cards, or maybe he knew. You know, he's very connected. I'm not playing conspiracy here. I don't know. I think if you've got a bunch of people who, uh, you know, Bill Gates has given speeches on population uh, control, you know, different from reduction, but, you know, I wonder about his thoughts on that. A lot of people speculate, by all means. But uh, uh, control, where he's, he, he talks about how we need to reduce the amount of people being produced. There's mm-hmm. too many. 
So he's he's talked. Uh, there's that famous TED talk where he was like, "We can reduce population growth yeah. by ten or fifteen percent." Now, when you got someone who's coming out and talking like that, why would I trust that guy on health advice? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not going to trust you on health advice. Yeah, if that's his long term goal, <laughs> is to have fewer people. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Okay. I, I'm not saying he wants anybody to die. I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to take health advice from a guy <laughs> no. who sells computers who mm-hmm. talks about how there should be less people. And, and not just I'll talk health to my advice. It, not just health advice. If if you're an individual who doesn't believe that human life is intrinsically valuable for its own sake, I'm not taking your advice on anything. There's no reason to listen. Right. To you. He's a ma- he's like a utilitarian mathematician. I mean, he's like a coding guy, and he's not a he's not a he is wants he? to be a Renaissance man, and he's not. <laughs> is, I mean, I don't think is, he is. Is he really a coding I guy? I don't know. He's, he's a salesman. Yeah. I'm sure he knows computers. He basically co-opted a bunch of code in the early 80s and then made it private and he, sold it. That's he, right. He didn't free the code. He did No, not. he did the opposite. Exactly. He's the guy that took Richard Stallman and a friend's code and made Windows out of it, this proprietary stuff, and then packaged it. And, Good and businessman. Basically Good for him. poisoned the water hole. And, 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 and antiviral software, right? Yeah. That was his thing. You can only sell so many computers, but you can, you can get a lot of viruses out of those computers. So you know, uh, need to I get, wonder, need to get that software going You wonder over uh, and over and over. You, you you wonder why it is that so many computer viruses exist sometimes because, you know, nobody's going to my neighborhood and just randomly attacking people. Not not, not every neighborhood, but we, we, we don't see, and you know, maybe it's not as easy to say these days, but you, you don't see overt political terrorism in the United States to a great degree like you do in other parts of the world. And when you see computers being so often attacked, you have to wonder what the motivation is and why. Why don't people in public engage in a, to a certain set the same degree maybe it's as simple as they do the same amount of people commit crimes as make viruses but viruses can spread more and do more damage and that's why we see it more mm-hmm. often but it is a lucrative business so i certainly wonder how many of these companies back in the days antivirus companies were making the viruses were, <laughs> well we're like uh antifa <laughs> window repair like ryan loves well, comedy sketch it's not, where it's the antifa guys not. go around smashing windows and then come back the next day and say right window repair it's <laughs> not a new tactic it's why do you buy a seventy thousand dollar pickup that has plastic parts inside the air conditioner and when it goes out after thirty thousand miles it costs eighteen hundred dollars for somebody to take the dashboard apart and fix the five dollar plastic part they know it's going to wear out and they know you're going to have to come in and get it fixed and they keep get they keep more and more money coming out of your pocket. It's it, that's the oldest trick in the book. Sell somebody something that looks great, but it has some kind of flaw that you know they're going to have to get it fixed. Oh, by the way, we're the only ones that can fix it or it voids your warranty. That's a busted mm-hmm. system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Planned obsolescence. Yeah, and and you it's know, disordered. It, yeah, yeah, and and what we hear is, uh, well, that's capitalism. So often what the left says, and I look at it this this like you know, if you want to have, if you want to believe that capitalism can be idealistic. Feel free to believe that. It's not true. You're going to find people who sell snake oil. Yeah, the slave trade was capitalist, too. Right. There's bad things. So, you know, when, when I hear people say laissez-faire capitalism, free markets are, are better and all that, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I, I agree a freer, a freer market is better. But I don't think. Well, that's the thing about the free market. They say they call it a quote free market, but that doesn't mean anything about what they say. It's just a name. It's like when they say, "Here, let's have the Happy Kids Bill that Congress wants to pass about Hmm. like punishing a bunch of kid bunch of kids." You know, it's uh, free trade is not like anyone can do whatever they want. It's heavily regulated. Only certain people can do it. No, no, but I'm talking about a true laissez-faire free market where you know uh, buyer beware, covet emptor. People are, are are there's a lot of good arguments I've heard about how competition will solve a lot of these issues. But you also will get uh, planned obsolescence. The counter argument to that is, well, then the company that makes the better light bulb that lasts forever will will sell more. But then my argument to that is, what if one person discovers the creation, you know, invents the light bulb, and then they're making it, 
and other people haven't figured it out for 10 years, so they create planned obsolescence. And what's to, what's to say that the other companies don't just say, well, why would I step on the toes of a guy who's figured out how to get people to buy light bulbs nonstop? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they just say, I'm going to do his same business and just lie to customers and say it's better? Well, yeah. Oh, no, you go. Now, what do you think Big Pharma is? I mean, healthy patients don't make them any money, mm-hmm. and dead patients don't make them any money. But patients that we're keeping alive make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Check out. So let, let, yeah. let, let, let me let me show you this post here from uh, BBC World Service. Check this out. Why China's zero COVID policy and Shanghai's strict lockdown is in everybody's interest, according to epidemiologist Dr. Eric Ding. Oh yeah, I know. That uh, no, thank you. No, remember what no, I said no, at the no, beginning of the show? show? Yeah. What was that? Well, just that there are a lot of people in America and in the West who are completely comfortable with these kind of tactics to eliminate COVID. Zero COVID is disturbing, man. You can't zero yeah. the flu. I don't yeah. know why they're trying to zero COVID. Yeah. It's here to stay, as far as I can tell. That's what we've been told. Yeah, and well, then the question is, are they trying to zero COVID? Let me, you know, let, let me just say, say to the point, this, this is uh, this BBC story. I guess it's like a, it's like a podcast, so I'm not going to play their podcast. But uh, this Dr. Eric Ding guy saying it's in everybody's interest. I hope that's out of context. I, yeah, I sincerely hope what he means is specifically for China and not for us. Because if the reference, if, if the idea is we here in the United States should be locked in our homes for a week and told we cannot leave for any reason and we will not be given food. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Well, Americans, I think, would act quite a bit differently than the Chinese, <laughs> you know. You think? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, Second yeah. Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. People won't yeah. well, silently starve to death here. There's in the, no, in the, well, hold I on. Wouldn't. In the cities, I think in the cities, they would do as they're told. I think no. out in the country, people are going to be like, depends the, on the neighborhood you're in. the cities, in. they're going to be getting the hell out of their apartments and coming out to the country right. to see where all the people have the resources. And that's where you're going to have the problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right there. Starving migrants. Well, yeah, but just hungry, people out- hungry, desperate people leaving cities, going out to where there is resources. So, yeah. You know what happens when that happens? Yeah. Like, so this is something so, you so, want to so, think so about. So this is, this is the question then. Mm-hmm. What we see in China is horrifying. People screaming out their balconies, the drones saying, control your soul's, you know, urge for freedom or whatever. If people in big cities, if we, if it does come to the point where, you know, what did Joe Biden call it? A global famine. If the food shortages do get that bad, if the food inflation is as bad as people think it is, and it's bad, if it's, if it's as bad as people think it is, 
Are these city people going to run to the country? Because then the question becomes, Second Amendment. If if I've got chickens, and I do, Chicken City, <laughs> chickencitylive.com, and someone comes and they're hungry, you're not touching my animals because we, we have these animals. We cultivate livestock so that we can survive. If someone comes and thinks, I'm going to steal that, well, people out in the country are going to be like, I got to defend my property, my friends, and my family. You can't just let anybody come and steal your stuff. Mm-hmm. What happens? Yeah. Do so, they do they load up? Do they do people start fighting? Well, uh, uh, yeah. I, well, I just want to say this: the sort of the the city urban liberal types, the dumb yuppies, they'll just sort of be sitting ducks. They'll stay in their apartment when they're told to. These aren't independent thinkers. But when you're looking at the neighborhoods with high crime rates, where people do. Uh, you know, own guns, or at least the criminals own guns, and there's more of a gang presence, they will absolutely start moving out into more rural areas and search for food, and you'll see some ugliness if we ever get to a point where there is massive food inflation that's starving people. So, so l- let me ask real quick, uh, uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. what R- city? Uh, Akron, Cuyahoga Falls. Akron. Yeah. Where, where, where did you grow up, John? Amarillo, Texas. So what, what, what is that like? Is that is that big city, urban skyscrapers? If it, if it wasn't for I-40, there would be no Amarillo, Texas. So, <laughs> All right. Especially if you look at the state of Texas, go to the panhandle on the top. It's right in the dead center of that. Oh, wow. So it's as flat as a board. It's Tornado Alley. It's, how, the, how, it's the grain belt. How many people? Uh, it's a couple hundred thousand. All right, so it's not small. So it's a decent-sized town. But uh, not as, how big is Akron? Akron's big. Well, I was actually from Chicago Falls, a suburb. There's only 50,000 people. Yeah, no, I was from But you grew up too. in a major metro. No, no, I never grew up in Akron. It was a suburb of a, of a uh, minor how, metro. How, how far away from Akron? <laughs> 25 minutes. 25 minutes. And how many? We never went. I went to Akron like once every three yeah, weeks. This is called the Akron metropolitan area. You yeah. Gotta, you don't got to nitpick me. I'm just oh, making okay. the point. I'm trying, it felt I'm, like a small town. This town was so up. small, they didn't even have a barber. You see? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how small. Well, I'm, I'm just asking <laughs> something. Shout out to Mel's Barbershop. Uh, being from Texas, uh, I wouldn't call it a, a small town or anything like that, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on just Second Amendment, people defending their property. Well, what you're talking about is not defending your property. At that point, what you're talking about is defending your survival of your family and of yourself. It's no longer, hey, those chickens, if somebody stole those chickens or took my chickens or whatever, we're not in a famine. It's not as big of a deal. But if I'm dependent on that or whatever else I have for my kids and my wife and my my parents and whoever's around me to survive, then it's not a question. Because then if you take my stuff, we die. So it becomes the stakes go all the way to the top when you start talking about famine. Water's the other thing. I mean, you know, people forget that electricity is what makes the water move through the pipes into your apartment or into your house unless you got a well. Uh, electricity makes water move. Electricity makes natural gas move. Elect- electricity makes fuel come up from the gas stations. It's a lot more than just your light bulbs. It makes literally everything move. So to me, you know, the electric grid and some of these things we hear about, somebody is going to hack the electric grid or whatever, that is honestly, in my opinion, is the most kill shot you could ever put. Yeah, you were talking a, about solar yeah. earlier. Like the best thing you could get or one of the best things is a solar generator. Yeah, I, re- I ran across uh, uh, some solar generators and I thought, ah, oh, they probably suck. You know, I'm like, ah. I thought, well, I'll buy the small one and see how it does. So I buy this little solar generator, 1,000-watt generator, and it charged up pretty fast. I went, okay, let's see what it does. I said, I wonder how long it'll run a freezer because I got one of those big freezers and it's full of meat and this and that. I wonder how long it'd run a freezer. Plug that sucker in, it ran that freezer for 16 hours. Wow. Which you don't even need to run a freezer for 16 hours to keep everything frozen. Yeah, you were saying you do it eight and then leave it off for 16 and then eight yeah, and then leave it just off? just don't open it very often, you know. So there are ways to get around it, but people need to think about it right now. Yeah, so uh, there's this funny hit piece on, you know, me and a bunch of other, uh, you know, Trump pro-Trump personalities from 2020. Like, where are they now? 
And they're like, Tim Pool is selling emergency food. Uh, and then I'm just like, well, <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy. The mentality among the left is that it's an insult to 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 want to have emergency supplies. Because I'm just thinking, like, if you think it's like a point of shame, like I would be in, ashamed of telling people, like, make sure you get some emergency supplies. I'm not telling people to set up a bunker underground with 30, year, 30 years worth of beans or anything. I'm being like, you get one of these buckets, you put in your closet, you forget about it. I also think you should have a first aid kit. I think you should have some water. I think you should download a survival guide onto your phone. But man, when, I, when, when we have these conversations about people in big cities being like, oh, they're so dumb, you bought emergency supplies. I'm like, I don't want to be anywhere near that city mm. if it really does get bad. And the funny thing is, I'm not even prepper level. The preppers are sitting on their bunkers, you know, smoking their cigars, laughing at everybody else because they got nothing to worry about. And and really the question is, if you were a prepper, if you built a bunker, if you bought a bunch of guns, if you've got stored food, you know how to start a fire and hunt animals, are you stressed by this lifestyle? Is there something wrong with that lifestyle? Sure, you might believe crazy things like the end is nigh if you're one of these caricatures. Yeah. But really, if you're if you're somebody who lives out in in a rural area and you know how to survive and you take care of yourself... I'm sure you're living your best life. Imagine a more suicidally stupid cultural attitude than <laughs> it's dumb to prepare for things <laughs> potentially going wrong. Right. And, and let's laugh at the guy who's trying to build his ark before the rain starts. Well, I mean, you don't have to believe that the entire world is going to end. You don't have. You don't even have to believe there's going to be societal collapse. But how are you going to sit here and tell me it's a worse world if people have emergency food stored but, up? But isn't that the story of the ark? Yeah, they laughed at. Oh, they laughed. They laughed at him. Oh, now, ridiculed now, him. I, I'm not saying that we're going to be seeing anything. <laughs> of that magnitude right and, and of course you have to make that perfectly clear uh because they'll clip you and go look they're saying because people should have emergency food they think the world's gonna flood also global warming is gonna flood the world guys take that very seriously um but, but that's a good one too yeah exactly they be building they, arts. exactly um and so it's it's absurd. I mean, even if there isn't some cataclysm, is it totally unthinkable that there might be a situation where you need a couple weeks worth of food? That, that, that's actually a really good point. Like they they mock the idea of emergency food, yet they're the ones claiming the great flood is coming. Yeah, that the ocean's going to rise by twenty to a hundred feet. Yep. Where, where you know, and then Barack Obama buys beachfront property. Yep. It, it's gotta, so strange because they have paranoid fantasies that would put the most ardent prepper to shame about how we only have <laughs> three months to reverse global warming or we're all going to die. And they say this every three months or so. Uh, and then they turn around and go, look at this guy's trying to sell emergency food. What an idiot. What would you need that for? Wait, wait, this is actually a really good point. Yeah. I don't. I don't see conservative emergency supply. Like, there's, you know, a survivor company or whatever, and they're selling all this stuff. I'm like, be a rugged man and make sure you can survive in the wilderness. I don't see any of these companies saying global warming will wipe us all out. You need because <laughs> no. certainly yeah. that, that's a path towards selling your product, right? They, sh- you know, what we should do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to create a liberal prepper company. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to market only to New York, Chicago, and L.A. and be like, global warming's coming, man. Are you going to survive the flood? Here's your inflatable. I'm going to sell plans right, for building yeah. an ark. Edible yes. inflatable rafts. <laughs> a wooden ark. Here's but, how you build it. So this this goes way back. Why do why do city people, and I know all city people aren't the same, but let's be cliche for a second. Why do big city people mock and make fun of country people? Mm. Why do they do that? I think the reason is because they look at the country people and they realize that those country people can self-sustain. They can defend themselves. They can grow their own food. They're a, tight, they're a tight-knit unit. They could probably get through a hell of a lot more than you could get through, and they're threatened by it. In a, in a way, they're the alphas that are out in the country. They're the real alphas. 
the ones that are in the cities that depend that are up in a skyscraper apartment complex they they're the ultimate betas because they're at the mercy of anything that comes their way that's not right but the ones out in the woods they're going to be all right for a long time i think they're threatened by it and they don't understand it because nobody ever taught them how to actually take care of themselves I know this is a recent thing in America that people don't know how to take care of themselves, don't know how to grow food, don't know how to defend themselves. This is fairly recent. You know, the way I think about it is how long ago was it where a father was armed everywhere he went? And if he was with his family, he was ready to fight for his survival, like a wild animal. How, like, you know, you, you go back a couple hundred years, cities are substantially smaller. You look at uh, the revolutionary period, there's only, I think, two million Americans within the 13 colonies fighting for independence. Two million across the entirety of the eastern seaboard. So if you're a family man and you've got your your homestead or whatever, there's wild animals everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when you go out, you're armed. And you're probably wearing thicker leather of some sort. You're not just walking around in short shorts and a t-shirt <laughs> with sunglasses on because everything's safe and fine. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We we are, when you, when you compare a couple hundred years ago to today, it is the epitome of good times make weak men. Yeah. But over a several hundred year period, and now, you know, we, we, we talk about what would the founding fathers think if they were, if they came here today and saw the government? It's like, well, aside from the fact they'd probably freak out at what happened with the government, they're going to look at people and be like, you walk around in short shorts. Some people walk like women walk around in bikinis and they're going to be like, there's animals, there's predators, there's, there's, there's bandits, robbers, and you just, nobody cares about any threats or danger. And we can brag and be like, we've mostly done away with so much of this through advancement technology. We're safe. We have fat homeless people. And they'd probably be like, wow, until they see any potential disaster coming ahead, until they see these people are completely unprepared for any kind of survival. Although maybe they'll just come back and eat big bowls of ice cream and be like, this is great. (laughs) Yeah, we we, we should hope not. And I wouldn't think so. But it is very bizarre how we've been sold this idea that the best possible way to live is to move as far away from your family as you can, to live in a small box next to a bunch of other small boxes full of people, to not have a yard, to not have space, and to not have children to just perpetually consume for the rest of your life without ever uh, orienting any of that consumption towards preparing for whatever might go wrong. 
I think it's pre-internet it's, it's mentality. It's stupid. I, it's because when I was in the city, I would when I thought of people that lived in the country, I thought of a lack of ambition. That was what I associated right. with it. Mm-hmm. And because, but now that's I don't know, it's just the way I grew up. Northeast Ohio, kind of small town. My aunts and uncles were hillbilly. We all went out to the country on the farm, hung out. You know, felt, apparently it feels nothing better than squishing your barefoot through cow patties, feeling it come up <laughs> through your toes. Uh, they told me. But now with they the also internet told age, you to stick your finger in a cow's mouth. I love. It. Yeah, I still haven't done it yet, but I'm going. And uh, Alex Jones confirmed that yeah, does we'll, actually feel we'll good. But then once the <laughs> Once the internet appeared, it changed oh, everything. Man. You can run a business from the middle of a farm in Arkansas. Um, and also, I don't know, I think just realism has start to set in for me. You know, cities are super dangerous. The centralized power grid, it's like we were rolling the dice every day, and I hope I don't roll a one, because if I do and the power goes out, and if the power goes out for six weeks... I have no backup plan, and I hope the roads aren't jammed so I can get out of the city. Well, at that this point. is this is the, this is the crazy thing about emergency supplies is I just tell people sometimes it rains. You know, we saw this, this big huge flood in, in I think it was in Houston. I'm not sure where people were trapped in their houses. You never know what you're going to need. Did you did you have emergency raft? How many of you had inflatable emergency rafts? Now, if I told you buy an emergency raft, you'd be like, what? Why? Crazy. <laughs> sometimes there are floods. Do you live in a floodplain? Have you checked? Maybe you <laughs> don't. But if you do, you might want to have a, an inflatable raft. You can. Survive. And if you don't yeah. need it, your neighbor might. Right. Well, it, your neighbor it, might need it. This is the strange irony. In cities, everyone is packed on top of each other, and yet there's virtually no community. And this is the question you have to ask yourself. If inflation gets really bad, if, as Biden promised, there are going to be food shortages, do you want to have neighbors who know who you are and care about you? Or do you want to be another face, another name, someone that they have no responsibility to once they're hungry? Yeah. I, want, I want to give a shout out to our good friend uh, Joe Biden over here because he's got Aww. this tweet that just went up today. Oh, no. He said, we need Congress to pass universal background checks. That's insane because they already exist. Ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Assault weapon doesn't mean anything. And he wants to ban 100 round magazines or, or I guess that would be a drum. Wow. Joe wow. Biden. And eliminate gun manufacturers immunity from liability. These are insane. insane. These are insane statements. Yeah. Let me just let me just be be totally real first. When you go buy a gun, you got even in a constitutional carry state, you've got the NICS system, NICS. What is it? National Instant uh, Criminal Check System or something like that. Mm-hmm. You uh, or check system. You walk in, you say, "I want to buy the gun." You got to fill out your form. They say, "Give us a minute." And then sometimes they'll be like, "You're delayed. Have a nice day. You can't buy mm-hmm. the gun because universal background checks already exist." You see, what he's trying to say is. If you live in the mountains of West Virginia and you want to sell a gun to your neighbor who also lives in the mountains of West Virginia, he wants you to have to be forced to drive to a local uh, gun store, FFL, federally licensed, and th- do the transfer that way. And personally, I think you're usually better off doing that, but I understand why you want to give your neighbor a, a weapon because you live in the middle of nowhere and there's wild animals or you just need to defend yourself and your property and there's no police. It makes sense. That's what he's saying. Banning assault weapons is meaningless because what they're talking about is like, it's a pistol grip versus a rifle grip, and it's just meaningless. <laughs> High-capacity magazines. When you buy an AR, how, ma- how many rounds does the magazine typically hold? 30. 30 rounds. That's standard. But they're saying high-capacity, anything more than 10. But when you literally buy the weapon, it's a 30-round magazine. When mm-hmm. you go on the shelf, all 30. You want a 10-round mag? I guess you can get one if you want to make one. But this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to reduce the standard capacity. Eliminate gun manufacturers' immunity from liability. Now that's just insane. Making a weapon and then you get sued for what someone else does? Okay. All right. Let's eliminate all car manufacturers' liability yeah, for what someone else does. I was just going to say, or knife manufacturers, right? Someone gets stabbed with your product. You go to court, buddy. You got to pay a settlement hey, to their you family. You can't come after Pfizer. 
Yeah, that's it. That's the right. liability you we should be ripping off. You can go after Colt. Yeah. You can go after Remington, yeah. but you can't go after Pfizer or Moderna. Pharmaceutical companies should not, in my opinion, have liability. I think that if someone takes a vaccine from a company and gets really sick, that there's a court that'll protect these things uh, is ridiculous. These companies, like, they feel like they really... I understand Wait, you're there's... you're saying a, they shouldn't have liability? I, meaning I think that they should, should be, be able immune. to be sued. No, I don't oh, think right, they should yeah, be yeah. immune from damaging people with their medicines or with their, their drugs or whatever you want to call them. Well, uh, there, there, I agree. There, there's challenges in that there's going to be side effects for basically everything. And, you know, you might be allergic to something and not know, or you might be the, the, the one in whatever many, if so, like, let, let's say you get like some kind of uh, swelling treatment and they're like, there's a rare side effect. It gives you a rash. You get a rash. Yeah. I think top down medicine production isn't the way of the future. A lot of it's like, we're going to start 3d printing medicine. That's tailor-made for your chemistry, your body chemistry. And uh, so this whole top down medicine where they make one drug and give it to everyone is obviously not working because <laughs> a lot of people aren't doing well with it. So I have a story about Nancy Pelosi asking me about guns in a backyard uh, in Beverly Hills. Really? I'd like to hear it. Absolutely. I know, right? That got even that got your attention. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear it. So I'm back there. I got invited to sing at Tony Bennett's 85th birthday Ooh. party. And I'm in the backyard of Ted Sarandos, the founder of Netflix. I'm in his backyard. There's John Travolta. Queen Latifah and I are bringing out the birthday cake. I mean, you oh couldn't, can't make this up. <laughs> I'm looking around this backyard going, I'm not supposed to be here, so I'm just going to have some fun. You know, oh like, my. no, one of these things is not like the other. So I'm mm -hmm. back there and I'm hanging out and, and I see Nancy Pelosi over there starts making a beeline towards me. Mm. And I'll be honest, it was frightening. <laughs> it was frightening. <laughs> She's coming and she walks right up to me. She doesn't say hello. She goes, you seem like a reasonable person. Uh, I guess meaning for a guy in a cowboy hat and a handlebar <laughs> mustache, because otherwise you wouldn't be at this backyard, right? You must be a reasonable, you seem like a reasonable person. I said, well, I appreciate that, Madam Speaker. She goes, can I ask you a question about guns? Uh-oh. I said, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So Vince Vaughn is standing there and Vince leans in. Travolta's got his arms <laughs> crossed. He's Vince leaning in. Great, yeah. Everybody's leaning in. And uh, uh, Pelosi goes, now I'm not a hunter, but I'm pretty sure that if I shot that first bullet at whatever I was hunting and I didn't hit it, it would run away. I go, that's correct. She goes, so why does anybody need more than seven rounds is what she said. Why does anybody need more than seven rounds in their gun? And I held up my cell phone. I said, well, Madam Speaker, right now back in Nashville, Tennessee, I have a wife and I got a three-year-old son and a five-year-old son. And we live right in the middle of town. I said, now, if she called my phone right now and said, John, I hear footsteps coming up the stairs. I said, Madam Speaker, would you advise me to tell my wife to grab the one with seven rounds or the one with 30 rounds? And her eyes kind of got big and she said, is that the way you look at that? I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, well, it was nice to meet you and then just walked off. But for a brief moment, this light bulb pops. I believe, first of all, they know that anyway. That's why they all have armed guards. Yeah. Yep. But I was able to, dead in her eye one time, say it's to protect our families. Of course, we don't need 30 rounds to hunt a deer, and there's nothing in the Second Amendment about hunting. It's many, all about defense. Good for how many, you. How many rounds does the, the, they're armed guards, right? They, what, what kind of guns yes, do they typically I, use? Yes, I was just going to ask. They're yeah. going to have 17 plus ones. They're going to have 21 yep. plus ones. They're going to have high capacity. They're going to have multiple high capacity clips on their belts because if something breaks out they're in a gunfight. Oh, and and I think uh when it comes to the speaker, she's probably got a couple guys with short-barreled rifles. No doubt about nearby. it. Yep. No doubt about it. So you can confront them and I would I would always advise anybody if you're ever talking to your neighbors, friends about gun about guns and clips and whatever is that 
you have the right to defend your family how you see fit. You don't get to tell me how I get to defend my family. Those are my kids. That is my wife. God put me in charge of them, in charge of their defense. And if something happens to them, that's on me. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather deal with Amen. your bad opinion of my high capacity yes. gun mm. than than deal with a dead child or a dead family. Exactly. We, we, we already got a couple people saying clips. Yeah, clips. Magazines. 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 Uh-oh. But it's that, <laughs> magazines, it's that mentality that allowed us to build this country the way we did. If we were all getting picked off at home and, and the government had total control and the, they weren't afraid of the population, we never would have had this beautiful liberal society that we organized. Mm. Sorry to use the word liberal. I'm bringing it back to what it really <laughs> means, which is liberty. Yeah, sure. Um no, I mean, look, the founders make it perfectly clear in the founding documents of this country that owning a gun is a right that is uh, available to all people. It is not a privilege for the ultra-wealthy who can have formed armed, guard, armed guards and whatever paperwork these bureaucrats would try to put you through in order to be able to defend yourself. But now, 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 John, would you agree with me when I say that the Second Amendment guarantees our right to have nuclear weapons and biological weapons? Uh-oh. No. I didn't see that in there. No, <laughs> oh, I do. I see it in there. Do you? Yeah, so uh, I got in trouble because I, I I pointed that out, and they they t- they take this clip of me where they cut my full statement and say Tim Pool calls for people to have nuclear and biological weapons. What I said was the Constitution says the right to keep and bear arms. Mm. It doesn't specify yeah. what. Right. And back then, as a privateer, as a private citizen, you could have any weapon the government could have. Correct. That hasn't changed. They wanted equal force. Right. Yeah. Has that changed? Well, well no. we, well, we, yeah, we now cannot get our hands on weapons that are equal force. Mm-hmm. But the Second we Amendment didn't yeah. change. They just started passing laws, correct, without any, uh, I guess, legitimate questions as to what the limits should have actually been. Mm-hmm. And this is what Joe Biden is doing now. Now, I, I would not want people to have nuclear weapons or uh, uh, biological weapons. That, it, that's scary thought. Some lunatic guy with a bioweapon because of how much destruction could be wrought. But there's a very serious question about when do we draw that line and say. Regardless of the constitutional amendments, we've decided you can't have things. Mm-hmm. You'd have to amend the constitution to change that. Yeah. That's a good argument. Well, I think, and I think we could easily amend it to be like, yeah, we, we, we've decided nuclear weapons and bioweapons, like we're not going to include in the second <laughs> amendment. That's cool, table. right? Yeah, let's take that off the table. <laughs> well, I think there's also another serious question to ask, which is why did Biden just decide recently that this was going to be his next moral crusade? The country's falling apart. <laughs> we have runaway inflation. He's acknowledged food shortages are coming and he's going to sit here and tell us that his goal is the, is the end gun violence. It's because he thinks there's going to be gun violence if there's famine. Mm hmm. Yep. He wants to try yep. and stop it by exactly. taking the guns away so there's criminal uh, gangs running around creating I'll, mafia. I'll, I'll, like, what the heck? I'll push back a little bit. I mean, it may just be he needs a distraction. It could and be. And so, you know, the, in response to Biden, Jeffrey Miller said, oh, look, a new emotionally vivid issue to distract us from inflation and your catastrophic monetary policy. Yep. So, yeah, they've know. been blaming inflation on Putin. I don't know what Something I thought was true for a long time that I found out was not true. And I wonder how many gun owners think this is true. Uh, I'm friends with a guy that's been in the ATF 29 years, uh, and we were hanging out on a little vacation together, and he was kind of bumming around, and uh, they were trying to, it was another one of these gun bills were trying to get passed, and I said, man, you know, they ever come door to door wanting to take people's guns? I said, the ATF, right? They He goes, John, people don't know what guns you own. The government doesn't know what guns you own. I said, what are you talking about? He said, there is no gun registry for the United States of America. He said, here's how a crime works. I go to a crime scene. There's a Colt pistol laying in the street. We have to get the Colt pistol. We have to call Colt, the manufacturer, wow. find out who they sold the gun to, what store they originally sold the gun to. It could be a 30-year-old weapon. 
if the store still exists and if they still have records going back that far, we can find out who purchased the gun originally. Then we have to go find that person. And if that person no longer owns the gun, we have to see if they have any records of who they sold it to and on and on and on. He said we would have to do that with literally every single weapon in the United States to know who's got what guns. So this is just like a fear tactic? They want people to think that they know who has they what gun? They don't know. They do not know. Now, in Illinois, California, New York, they have state gun registries in those states. And he said those are the only three where they actually know what guns you own which, in which, the which past state? 15, 20 years. Which? California, New York, and Illinois. That's why the gun crime's so low. That, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. I was going to say, like, <laughs> there's something interesting <laughs> about those states was as it pertains to their gun laws. Mm-hmm. They also have a whole lot of gun crime. Yeah. I, well, you know, look, Baltimore's got serious gun crime as well. It's not just those states, but when I hear Illinois, I'm like, you know, they call it Chirac mm-hmm. because of how many gun deaths there are. More, yeah. there, you know, there was like a year where there were more gun deaths in Chicago than the entirety of Iraq. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their laws don't seem to do anything to stop that. Granted, yeah. uh, I think it was in the 2000s, there was a court ruling that, I think the Supreme Court ruling. So now you can actually get a gun in Illinois, though it's damn near impossible. Yeah. I, I just found that to be isn't that a myth though? Yeah, that, it, didn't you think that was probably the sure. case? They just they'll show up and it, go, Mister Rich, you, we see that you own X Y Z. He goes, we have no idea what you own. Mm. Yeah, in the movies they're like, we got the gun, we got the serial number, we're gonna run it through the registry, and they're like, oh, we got. If there's you know, a registry now. When I see tweets like that from Biden, he's talking about universal background checks. If he said universal registry. That's a different animal. That's a different thing if you ever see the word registry but pop But the up. background check is probably the registry. Yeah. That's exactly. probably the plan. That's, co- that's probably the way they would word it in a bill would actually turn into a registry. I find that we're on the verge of 3D printed guns like the 21st century is going to be all about crafting yeah. your own weaponry and stuff. On I, the verge this, of? Yeah, we're in it. It has we, begun. The ghost gun is a real product. We ha- But the, go- the ghost gun is you just making your weapon. Control Pew, we've had on the show... Posting all these videos on Twitter of the guns they just make. Yeah. Yep. How and effective are those at this point? I remember seeing oh, some early bro. prototypes and oh, they were pretty lousy, really. Yep. Yeah. yeah, the early ones they had to pull the hammer with a string. They pulled the trigger with a string from like eight feet <laughs> yeah. back so it didn't explode in their hand because mm-hmm. they didn't know they were plastic. They fall apart. What they was, fire what, one bullet at a time, but the new ones are. There was the, the first one. You remember what it was called? I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, the liberator. The, the sort of the, the little, the little white plastic handgun that was good for like five shots or something before no, one, broke. one shot, one, one shot. But yeah. now, liberator. now, if you if you go on Twitter and you follow Control Pew and you look C-T-R-L, at the CTRL, yeah, CTRL PEW, and you look at all the things they're posting, yo, they, they have unique designs and these things work. It's, just it, a, it's it's no longer like the old days. They've figured this stuff out. It's like a whack-a-mole. I can see a totalitarian regime would use that as a game of whack-a-mole to just write more and more laws of how to go after more and more guns. It's like, dude, at some point, like, you're stepping on your own foot. It, you know, we're working together here. Mm-hmm. There's real problems out there, and it comes down to do you have enough water, and do you have, have enough food, and do you have enough space to move around? Decentralization has done wonders. Yeah. With the Internet, one of the things that's pushing back on the, the, the establishment cult woke nonsense is that people who live in rural areas now have com- the ability to uh, to build community. It used to be that the message, the narrative, would come top-down from big cities with big city intellectuals, and that was it. Community was formed around their broadcast tower. But now, because of the Internet, people can build their own communities, which is, al- which is allowing more conservatives to you know coalesce around certain personalities, certain media outlets. You have the same thing with 3D printing. They can't, they can't stop it. And I think when you, when you look at what's going on now with the culture war, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic. And, and, and especially when you look at a, a lot of the data, we have one story. Actually, let me, let me pull up the story here and jump straight to this, uh, this story we have here and give you guys some optimism. 
This is from Slow Boring, which is Matthew Iglesias's Substack. Uh, he's the, he's one of the founders of Vox.com, V-O-X, lefty. Here's what he tweeted. He said, suppose Democrats get 48% of the vote in 2022 and then rebound to 50% in 2024. Pretty normal. But under today's maps, that means a GOP trifecta with 60 or 61 senators. Yo, I read this today and I was just, it's, it's shocking. I mean, looking right now at the, at the current data based on all the aggregate polls and assuming we don't see changes from now until the election, it looks like Republicans not only will win Congress, but that if this track remains steady by 2024, they'll have 60 or 61 seats in the Senate, which means they're going to steamroll through basically whatever they want. It's not absolutely perfect because the Republican Party is kind of, yeah. maybe if people go and vote in their primaries, this will have a bigger impact. But looking at this, wow. Can you have an election if there's a famine? Or if they lock things down again. So let me just throw it to this uh, this this year from Timcast real quick to go and uh, add to the context. Philadelphia to reinstate mask mandate for indoor public places. Now, I don't want to be as bold as to say that the lockdowns are going to come back hard. Because that's what I said last year. At the end of last year, I said... I think they're going to bring all the lockdowns back. Why? They got an election to win. Mm. And they're losing right now. And what can they do? Mm-hmm. Well, they need chaos, right? So I think there's a political play. However, Luke Rudkowski of We Are Change said, no, no, they're going to ease it up. They've lost this one. It's bad for them. It's hurting them. They're going to have to ease it up. And then in January into February, they started easing up the restrictions, started ending a lot of these mandates. I said, you know what? I guess I was wrong. They really are ending these things. And now people are shouting out Alex Jones. What he what he said was they're going to ease the the restrictions, get everybody to calm down, and then they're going to slam them back down on us. And then I'll give myself some credit by saying, "Aha, the the rat hope experiment we talked about. You know about that one? No. So they put a rat in a vat full of water, several rats, and let them swim, and they couldn't grip on anything. After 15 minutes, the rats give up and they drown. Then they take more rats, put them in the vat full of water, the cylinder, let them swim." Right before they give up, they pick them up and put them down and dry them off. Let them rest, catch their breath, then pick them back up and put them back in the water. The rats then swim for 60 hours because they had hope that if they just didn't give up, they would make it. Mm. So based on what Alex said, you know, based on what Luke said, what I said, I'm like, maybe what's going to happen is these restrictions being lifted in the calm down period are so that people can have a sense of hope that it will eventually come to an mm-hmm. end. But maybe this next lockdown is a lockdown that just goes on for a long Isn't time. Isn't that the definition of a PSYOP? Hmm. Yeah. That's the definition of a PSYOP. You're playing a PSYOP on that rat. We're just the rats. You yeah. know, but I think Americans have woken up to that. And I think it is to such a degree that it's now not Republicans or Democrats. It's just Americans, period. Waking up to it going, these people are playing us in a PSYOP right now. Listen, anybody that identifies, I've raised a lot of money over the years for Republicans. I've campaigned with Republicans. And in the past two or three years, I have witnessed, heard, and learned things about so many Republicans that I had supported that blew my mind how much they were betraying the people oh, yeah. that they represent. And I, I've I've gone out and told people that are hardcore Republicans or whatever. I go, you if you're an American, you better not identify with either party. Just be an American. You see Vote that, for you, what you think's best for your family. That's it. Don't rely on these people anymore because they. If I had to guess a percentage, I'm going to say 85 percent of all politicians are not worth the paper that they signed when they got that office. Did you Did you see the uh, governor of Utah using his pronouns and saying Latinx? 
No, I didn't see and that. And people are like, Latinx. Latinx. Yeah. yeah. This is a Republican, and he's just all on board. I would not be surprised if if people don't go out and vote in their primaries, and we end up with just more neocon establishment uniparty trash. Give it a, give it a year or two, and Mitch McConnell will be like, I'm Mitch McConnell, he him, and I'm here to give a statement about taxes, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Unless people actually vote. In the primaries and get rid of these these establishment party players. You know, if, if, if we don't let them force you to put a mask on your kid, we won't be able to cut taxes two percent for oh three years. Gosh. Right, right. <laughs> and then you'll have more money for your kids while they're in school being groomed. I, I basically stopped voting political parties when I was like fifteen or sixteen. It didn't make any sense anymore. I was like, why don't I just pick the best person? So that's what I do now. Well, how do you know who's a good person anymore? I mean, here's a question: Who can you believe anymore? Andrew Yang. That was oh, long. no. I mean, he wasn't lying. No, he, he goes on CNN. He gets a CNN contract after everything. Oh, maybe he got bought out. I, 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 I like the idea of the Ford party. I donated to them. That's fine. But uh, that guy lost a substantial amount of trust when he went establishment. And then, sure. he, and then he walked away a little bit after, but no. Nah. He was talking about economics, though. He was talking about real problems. I felt like he was talking about real problems. Sometimes people like Tulsi Gabbard gets to the heart of the issue. I mean, she's a little bit too hawkish on war for me. Um, you mean she anti-war? No, actually, I think she's a little too... What? I mean, she's in the military. She comes she's from the, the military. She's the least bad in the Democratic Party on the military issue, but I agree with you. She's not perfect. Uh, wait, 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 wait. She, she's the one who keeps complaining about Americans entering war. Like, that's her whole shtick, is and um, stopping yeah, the Yeah, she was also, like, afraid of terrorists. And I'm like, I don't want a, a freak in, in that White House that's talking about terrorism anymore. I'm tired of that. Yeah, that, that I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Ron Paul talked about mark and reprisal. Against terror, Ron Paul was pretty cool. Just so I think, I think there are real, there are acts of real terror, but you know the whole nine so eleven terrorism saying, thing that got shoved down my throat for twenty years. I'm fed up with. So someone saying like Ron Paul, you know, we should go after the terrorists and not have these regime change wars. I don't think is a pro war position. It, it, to me, it's you mean, you it mean is Ron Paul or Rand Paul because I think Ron Paul's position was we just need to pull out entirely and we shouldn't even have foreign bases. Ron Paul, uh, yes, but he also talked about how instead of invading Iraq and Afghanistan, we could have issued letters of mark and reprisal. Oh, okay. okay, so we could specifically target rogue groups instead of declaring war, and you know we didn't do yeah. that. Trying to so, build a democracy in Afghanistan, all that ridiculous. But but you know anyway to 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 to, to back to the story. I think even, you know, the Democrat view on this is apocalyptic. And so I'm wondering if, one, they'll use lockdowns politically, or they just lie down and Republicans come in and sweep things up. Yeah, maybe they'll lock down and then lift the lockdowns shortly before the election cycle begins, like six months or something. I am so done with these stupid lockdowns. I'm so done with it. Well, take a look at this. We all thought we were, by the way. Take a look at this story. Daily Mail. Proof that blue states did fail their people during the pandemic. Harsh lockdowns caused huge death rates, ruined kids' education, and destroyed business. Bombshell research finally shows with New York, New Jersey, California, and Illinois all receiving an F-minus grade. Are you telling me that um, J.B. Pritzker of Illinois' brilliant plan (laughs) to give $300,000 of federal COVID relief money to Black Lives Matter didn't make the virus go away? I'm I'm shocked. (laughs) Isn't that shocked? I I would have assumed... No, because we learned... That the Black Lives Matter protests reduced the spread exactly, of COVID. Exactly. So it made of sense. Course. So if he gives that money to BLM, he's specifically giving it to groups that cannot spread COVID. I don't know. I, I guess the world's upside down. None of it makes sense <laughs> this to me. Is where we end up, man. Yeah. Maybe. Well, ma- maybe. I don't know. What do you think, John? You well, I mean, you know, if they lock everybody down and the red states push back and they exercise their 10th Amendment, go, yeah, we're not locking down. We're going to have the election as planned. And all the blue states are locked down and nobody can get out and go vote. Maybe that actually plays... 
to the other side. It's interesting the boomerang effect and some somewhat of the the whiplash coming back. How do you lock everybody down now, knowing how much they hate it? and still win an election. Also, with people seeing the effects of the lockdown, this is part of why it was so important for them to try to scapegoat Putin and Russia. Mm. This is part of why they had to say the inflation and the food shortages were his fault. It was the result of a foreign adversary, not the fact that they printed trillions of dollars, not the fact that they shut the economy down for two years. Because anyone who's really paying attention knows that this is only going to get a whole lot worse if we lock down. Well, so is there actually evidence that they're saying they're, they're thinking about locking or shutting down? Because I've seen masks. I've seen masks. I didn't, if there was, I just didn't What was didn't the catch. first thing they did in 2020? 15 days to slow the spread. 15 days of what? Of like shutting down, I don't know, businesses or something, working from home, going home, shutting did, down. Did, for... did, did they do masks before they shut everything down? I can't remember. They went back and forth on it. Yeah. Right? First it was, no, you don't need them, and then you did need them. But like I you're the, saying. I think the masks were first. The masks, I understand, but the shutting down, man, that's the that's the poison. Mm-hmm. We cannot do that to our economy. No, it's shut down first. I know because was. I was on spring break with my kids when all that happened. I'm sitting there in Florabama. If you've never been there, go to Florabama, guys. Oh, cool. The edge of Florida, Alabama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh it's the be- it's the Redneck Riviera. That's the, the heart of it, <laughs> that's right awesome. there. But we were down there, and I'm watching the news, and then we get the email like three or four days into spring break that the schools are shut down. You're not going back to school. And all that started to happen. All the interviews I was doing, concerts I was doing, they 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 closed the door on you right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And then the mask was when they started letting you move around. But you got to have a mask or two masks or whatever it was. Because I mean, the concert scene is everybody just went bang. It was just over. Well, if you're rich, you don't got to worry about any of it. You get a, well, you, you want to wear a mask on a plane. You, you, still, plane you have to worry about it in a different <laughs> way. Like, is is the money that I have going to be valuable if the economy gets annihilated? As a rich person, that's yeah, the thought process. Rich, they well, diversify their assets. In truly, ways they that buy middle land. Class people don't. Yeah, yeah Bill Gates farms, bought a bunch of farmland. Rich people buy land, and so yeah, they don't have to worry about it. But they don't, they don't have to worry about where you might own land from. on paper, but if someone, an armed militia goes there and sits on it, then you're going to have to take an armed militia to get them out of there, and that's going to cost that's... you probably more than the land is worth. <laughs> but so it's also about other assets and other resources. But just having a substantial amount of substantial amount of resources, you command uh, access and power. Depending on how you transfer it, what you trade, a diversified um, you know portfolio or whatever you want to call it, wealth asset management. For these people buying land, yeah, in the event that uh, we do go, you know, more riotous because of lack of food, yeah, the property you own is meaningless. You got a piece of paper that says your name on it. Some dude kicks the door and says it's mine now. What are you going to do about it? Look how people were rioting before we had any food shortages just because the media told them they should be upset. Yeah, I think they were doing that because they didn't like being locked down. The George yeah. Floyd riots, that thing, mm-hmm. it was like they it was an excuse to get out of the house and party. Burning Man got canceled, so let's do it on the street in New York. Didn't, didn't they just cancel E3? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think E3 got canceled, and mm. and and I'm wondering for what reason. But I I think we might see lockdowns come again because I don't know how else Democrats can even try to win. I think if, but I, don't I, you think that the the lockdowns would be bad yes, for them politically? How would that trap. help them win? I don't understand. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah I think I think I think that would be bad. But then I think they would get universal mail in voting, and then mm. and in a completely unrelated story, I think then the Democrats will win. Interesting. Yeah, completely unrelated. I, completely I unrelated. Saying. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there will be lockdowns. You have weird coincidences sometimes. Universal mail-in voting. Yeah. And then uh, what happens is uh, just, oh, totally as an aside, other story. I think Democrats win. <laughs> Interesting. Just in general in life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They yeah. win. Yeah. yeah, E3 was canceled. I think. Do for- you know why it was canceled? Oh, I didn't know that yet. So I'm wondering if it's COVID or if it's just some, something else. It says it was years in the making. That's years in the making. That- E3 is that big video game conference and they yeah. announced it was canceled. So I, I see that and I'm like, whoa, what just happened? But. You know, I haven't I haven't been hyper focused on that because the world's falling apart. You know how it goes. Dude, Dude, yeah. Do you do you think do you think strong states that are that are con- led by conservatives would push back 
now that they know what they've known and you got stories like that about what a fail and F minus. Yeah. That they would go, no, we know it didn't work. We're not doing but, it. But then what? Civil War? The red states tell Joe Biden to shove off. We're not listening. The, the, let, let's say the Democrats somehow managed to pull a win despite all of the evidence suggesting they'll lose. And then with Senate and the House and the presidency, they start, you know, they go for, for universal nationwide restrictions or something like that. Yeah, the red states might say no, but 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 then what? Well, I mean, you've still got 10th Amendment. Right. You know, the living laboratories of America. It's one of my favorite phrases where each each state can do it their own way. I mean, you've seen DeSantis do it over and over, flexing his muscles mm-hmm. down there going, no, nah, we're not doing that. And he just doesn't do it. And, right. and the government goes, well, then we're not going to send you any money. He goes, I don't need any money. We have a surplus of $18 billion. Right. We don't need your money. This, this is what we saw in the first lockdown when Joe Biden was coming out giving these speeches. It was obvious he wasn't talking to red states. He would say, you know, to America, we got to do these things. And I'm like, the red states are doing none of those things. Mm-hmm. So he's only addressing blue states at this point. I don't, I don't, I don't know what ends up happening in terms of this country eroding and falling apart. I certainly think we're there. I was thinking about this. I think we, we were driving somewhere recently. Like we were out here in Nashville, we're driving around. And I just, I think I was saying something to you, Ian, about how the left can be told that Joe Biden sniffs little girls and posts videos on it. And they'll say, I don't care. I want you to hurt. So they'll vote for Joe Biden, despite the fact that he's got a garbage career. He's been he, the press has written about his corruption over and over and over again. They'll say, I don't care. I want you to lose. It's like you're voting for a guy who's this long. I don't care. Trump's gross, too. And it's like. It's like that kid that flips the table when he's losing a game of Monopoly. I once saw a kid <laughs> right. playing Pokemon at a tournament hit another kid with a razor scooter. Wow. That's, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. You hear the rain? Yeah, that rain got intense. Uh, E3 was canceled in, in the physical form because of COVID, according to them, and then they canceled the actual event all around, and they said they're prepping for 2023. They're going to do it again. So they shut down E3 because of COVID before any lockdowns or masks or what? Why? It's a complicated question with a lengthy answer, and I'm like, oh, God, do I really want to read this? It's a long article. <laughs> means you're about to COVID. get lied to. Impact yeah. of COVID. It's still talking about COVID halfway down the page. It's probably COVID. So Just fear uh, COVID, you know. So John, yes, sir. You're you're this, uh, you know. You, you mentioned you told us a story about being at this party with Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just wondering. You're here. You're speaking out. You seem rather fearless on these issues. But are there ramifications to being in mainstream U.S. entertainment and challenging the establishment, <laughs> smack talking them? As we say in the country, does a bear shit in the woods, right? <laughs> That's a big West Virginia saying as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, what happened with me was, is I was becoming that guy that would yell at the TV, mm. but then I would go out at the industry events, a red carpet, an interview, whatever, and understand that the majority of people running our industry were absolutely hated people that thought like I think. And so I, I would just shut my mouth, bite your tongue, don't say it in here, and just go back home and yell at the TV again. And at some point, I felt like I was I was sacrificing my integrity, sacrifi- sacrificing my freedom of speech. Why do we have these things? Because hundreds of thousands of Americans have died and bled and sacrificed and did whatever it took to keep those freedoms alive. That's why the lines are coming into the country, and there's no lines going out because we have those freedoms. And I'm going to sit here and not say what's on my mind and speak what I know to be true because I'm afraid somebody's not going to give me an award or somebody's not going to uh, play my song at the radio station or whatever. Yeah, that's the penalty. But which one is bigger? The founding fathers are walking out there going, hey, give me liberty or give me death. That was not a bumper sticker. That was not a hashtag. That's what it took 
to get this country up and running. And if they ever found those guys that signed the Declaration of Independence, they ever found them, they're going to hang them from a tree, burn their houses, kill their families, and erase them from the memory of the earth. But now we're worried about somebody throwing us off of Twitter or somebody calling us a bad name, or in my case, the, the music industry not giving me everything that I want to get out of it. At some point, make a call. Decide what's actually important to you. Is your freedom of speech more valuable to you than the approval of the music industry? That's where I got to. Good Amen. times. Got two little boys growing up, and they're watching me. And what if I'm dealing with this, what are they going to be looking at in about 15 or 20 years? So I'm the only example they have. What did Pop do when he ran into that, when the government did this or tech did that or businesses did this? What did Dad do? Did he just yell at the TV and then go play ball? Or did he actually say what he felt? Was he the same guy all the time, 24-7? Did he take his hits? Hell yeah. And he got scars and lost money and lost lost popularity with a lot of people. But what did he gain? Self-respect, integrity, and he sleeps okay at night. Not like dad. Good for That's you. That's why I do yeah. it like that. So, here, so here's my Good question, for you. though. Tremendous respect for all of that. Do you fear... You know, they'll try to come after your kids or you might put your kids at harm. They better fear ever coming after my kids. I love it. Because I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you come after me all you want to. You, you leave my family alone. We will die for our families. We'll die. We'll, we, if you said, John, you were them, snap your fingers and take me out of here. I mean, right now, we, as my daddy would say, who's a quasi Pentecostal style prison preacher oh that I would charge hell wearing my gasoline suit with my water pistol blazing <laughs> if you ever jack with my family. Yeah. And that's what they don't understand in this country, these liberals and people running our country, that there there is a fierce uh, love and dedication and responsibility that we have as parents that you step over that line and you start messing with my kids. There is no There is no boundaries anymore between us. You want full contact sport? You want to raise the stakes on what you're doing to our kids and how you're, in my opinion, assaulting them in all these ways. You're going to assault my kids. Why don't you try to assault me one time? I'm going to step in front of these little kids. Now you're going to deal with a, with a grown-ass man and a grown-ass woman who got nothing to lose and don't care what you have to think about it. This is where America's going. Whatever look I have in my eye right now, because I, I know what I'm saying, I'm feeling it down in my guts, that is what tens of millions, if not more Americans are feeling right now, regardless of their politics, regardless of who they voted for, or what they think about Trump or Biden, you mess with our kids, you've got a world of hurt coming your way this fall. They're messing with kids. Good for you, man. You've got you know these, these, these teachers now bragging on social media about how they want to talk about their sex lives with children. And this, it's the weirdest thing to me that they're trying to normalize the idea that five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds are talking to the to, to their teachers about their teachers' marriages or relationships. That never happened for me when I was in those grades, because Florida is where the big conversation started, the parental rights and education bill. Uh, when I was five, I remember the names of all my teachers. Actually, I don't remember the name of my second grade teacher. I'm sure someone in my family does. But I remember these teachers... I had no idea who they were married to. I had no idea what they were doing. I was five. I was eight. I was nine. When I was 12 or 13, I learned about my teacher got married. That's all I learned. She was out one day. A substitute came in. Why? Oh, she got married. Oh. Mm-hmm. They didn't come into the classroom and say, I want to tell you all about my relationship with my husband and our honeymoon. Never happened. Yet now this is what they're saying. Oh, but it's totally normal. Like, I need to explain to these kids like what it means. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. I mean, first of all, the parents can. And this can be handled during normal sex ed if the parents think that's what the school should be doing. But they're actually arguing for the right to have conversations with your kids 
about sexual issues in secret, telling those kids, don't tell your parents. So this is happening. Are you yeah. homeschooling? No. Do you want my, my to? Kid, no, because I found a school that won't put up with it. Mm. And so that's where my kids go. But let's just take that conversation out of the classroom, shall we? Let's go to a public park and your kids are playing over by the monkey bars and a couple of adults walk up and start showing them those books with those pictures and having that conversation with them. <laughs> what would happen to those adults in that arrested. public park? They would be arrested by the They would be, be arrested and hauled off to jail. So if you look under the American Bar Association, when it goes into uh, the word grooming, which is the big word right now, which is accurate in my opinion, it says, and Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals actually actually has this perfect, please go look it up, that... Um, it is not a defense to say that you are uh, putting explicit pornographic or obscene material in front of a child under the guise of education. It is. It has already been stated. It has already been solidified. You do not get to hide behind the veil of, of, of education, and that shields you from something that outside the school would be considered a felony. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, this doesn't let's, work that way. Let's, so th- this game they're playing, the only way you short circuit that is at some point, parents are going to have enough of it. And they're going to go, you know what? Did you show this to my kid? All right, turn around, put your hands behind let's, your back. Let's take it to uh, the workplace. I think it was Robbie Starbuck who tweeted this. If you if you talked to another coworker about what these teachers are talking about, you would be sued for yes. sexual harassment. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely Hands right. down. Right. I mean, because... These books, some of them have shown relatively graphic images. I wouldn't, I, they're like descriptive, instructional. Oh, pictorials. Pictorials. Yeah. Yeah. If you went to the workplace and take a look at this book, they'd, they'd be like, okay, I'm going yep. to the boss. The boss is going to be like, I'm letting you go. Mm-hmm. Why are you showing these images? But in yep. the school to children, they're arguing it's okay. Under Sorry, the man. guise of education, what I'm telling you is that's already been established. There's people have already tried to use that defense in the highest courts in our land, and they were not upheld. Well, people need to go after these teachers and file suits, file charges, whatever they have to do. Absolutely. On top of that, another thing that people are failing to acknowledge here is that one of the core elements of grooming is trying to separate the child from their parents. So by definition, having secret conversations with children, especially secret conversations about sexuality, is grooming. And I think everything you just said a moment ago was put very beautifully. And so many people in this country feel that way. And I think the left is going to start to realize that they've really woken a sleeping giant because they're completely incapable of understanding other perspectives. All they know and understand is obedience to the party line and loyalty to their sick set of principles and what their ideological allies tell them to believe. I think many of them don't have close familial relationships, which is part of why statistically they actually are more likely to experience mental health issues. And so they can't comprehend the bonds that exist between good and healthy families. They have no idea what's coming their way if they continue to push on this. Well, I think if if you go back in time, we were talking about several hundred years ago where the dad's armed. Maybe he's got his single shot, you know, flintlock or something like that or a sword or a knife or something because... You never know. You got to defend yourself, your friends, your family. People without families were much less likely to survive. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just humans are social beings. Our families and our tribes are how we survived, and that's why we have such a strong social desire to be a part of the the culture and, and the tribe. Because if you weren't, you didn't you didn't survive. Mm-hmm. We now have an expanding society of familyless individuals. They have some friends. They hang out. They're in their 30s. They're not in relationships. They, they're, they, they're single. They live in apartments. 
I, I, I got to say, I don't think these people, these people would survive the actual wilderness. They're, they're a product of the good times we've created and the security and the safety that allows this individual, ultra-individualist, you know, I guess, lifestyle. Probably also a bunch of drug acts on Adderall, Prozac, who knows, legalized yeah. pharmaceuticals, so they're, like, distorted and aren't able to understand love with their mother. You know, it comes from, like, well, I didn't get along with her to begin with. And, like, come on, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming a type of person, but there's a lot of legalized drugs out there that people are on. Well, I mean, also statistically, we know that children that come from two-parent homes fare better than children who don't. They have absolutely destroyed and gutted the family. It's been uh, a very long-standing project on the left because they can't have competing power structures. And they know that good, tightly-knit families that genuinely love and care for each other and have a strong sense of loyalty and parents who will legitimately protect their children solve the problems that the state claims it needs to be in a position to solve, though it never solves them well. It usually ends up creating more problems than it's addressing. But the point is, they're not going to stop, right? Like, they see your connection to your family as a threat. Like, it is a threat to their way of life, and what they view is what's necessary for their survival. They're not going to stop. Like, we have to stop them is the point. They're not going to stop themselves. Let me give you guys a white pill. I don't know. That, that, that's that's the optimism, right? The, 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 for sure. The, the one that means things are not so bad. Black mm-hmm. pill is... Gandalf the white. Bad. All right. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you guys about what I think is coming. I think the future is going to be more conservative than uh, this country's been in maybe like 70 or 80 years for one simple reason. It has nothing to do with people waking up to politics. It has nothing to do with young people being based. It has everything to do with the fact that the left does not have children. And if they do get pregnant, (laughs) they are substantially more likely to abort their children. Kill their baby, yeah. So back in uh, the early 2000s, Conservatives were having about two kids for every two parents, so they were sta- it was it was stable. Liberals were having one point seven kids, so typically a family would have one kid, maybe two. Now we see in the polls that Gen Z is is a tad bit more conservative than millennials, but millennials and Gen Z are still relatively progressive compared to Gen Xers and Boomers. What happens in twenty years from today? The birth rates collapsed, but conservatives still have a lot of kids. Maybe less on average than they did before, but way more than liberals. If liberals, if the left can't indoctrinate children in schools, mm. they cease to exist within maybe forty years. Exactly, it's necessary for their survival. You know what happened when the Roman and immigration, when the Roman Empire failed, and all the slaves were basically the, when when the Roman slave system ended, a bunch of those people went out to the farms and started working for the farmers and became their workers. Uh, it's more nuanced than that, and I would highly recommend um, looking into this because. If this hap- if this really, if the economy fails and all these people come out of the cities, these liberal weirdos that don't have families or whatever, they're going to be looking for work and they're going to be basically put down, uh, but they're going to be put on the farm to get to work and they're going to be overseen and then they're going to be, you pay them whatever you want at that point. Do, do you think they're wait, wait, useful wait, wait, wait. enough to use on a farm? Well, yeah, I no, mean, no, 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 I, I got to disagree, bro. Like there's a lot of people in cities who could come and do basic farm work, but I tell this story all the time. Um, let me ask you, John, uh, you, you remember Occupy Wall Street, I imagine. Sure. During Occupy Wall Street, a bunch of land was granted, farmland was granted to Occupy Wall Street. And so a large, a bunch of these, these, these young people were like, I want to get off the grid. I want to be responsible for myself, sustainable, and not be a part of the, you know, carbon dioxide, corporate fossil fuel economy. So they went to this farm to be totally off the grid sustainable. How long do you think my Hmm. friend made it? Uh, I would say halfway through his first callus. Wherever that came from. <laughs> Halfway, like my fingers hurt. Uh, Halfway through his first blister. Two uh, weeks. 
That's about that's about that's your first good <laughs> right. blister. So I yeah. asked my friend uh, two weeks later, "You're back," and they said it sucked. I woke up at six a.m. and I worked until eleven p.m. Yeah. I, I never had time to do anything. It was just work, work, work. If you want to eat, you got to work. Then you had breakfast, and you worked again. Then you had lunch. Then you worked again. You had dinner. And I was like, that's what survival sounds like, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yo, these people. Yeah, but when the owner of the house has rifles and you're in a fenced-in area and there's nowhere to get out and you, you chose to be there because you need food. No. Like, I'm saying we might be on track to see another serfdom rise in this country. The, the, look, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to take entitled, gaunt millennials. I'm not saying everybody's going to make it either. That's a good point then. Because yeah. some, there's, there's a lot of people in the cities, of course, they're capable. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think they're as skilled or as learned as people in the countryside when it comes to basic country things. Like the things I've learned just, you know, moving out of the cities over the past several years. It's like, oh wow, I, di- I didn't know that. We got chives growing in the backyard everywhere. Mm-hmm. You just walk up, you pick them, you rinse them off, you eat them. I'm like, I don't even know what you can or can't eat. But the people out here are like, oh, here's what you can't eat, here's what you can't eat. They can just tell me right away. So if, if, if one day the roads just, Im- the roads were gone. And it was like, you're only going to get food, which you can find. They'd make it. I'd be in serious trouble. So people in cities, there's, there's a lot of smart people in cities. But they're not going to know the first thing about how you, you grow crops. You know what we did last year? Remember, you know those tomatoes we planted? Yeah. We planted all the tomatoes at once. And then what happened? It was sad. You, you get a lot of tomatoes, and then you run out of tomatoes. Yep. And we had like 80 tomatoes we couldn't and they eat. Go, and they get rotten. Exactly. Do you know how to can? No. Oh, you got to learn how to can, it, it, man. But yeah. we, we, we do preserve. Can, man. We no, you gotta learn how to can. This, this is gonna be our party while we're out here. You're just gonna canning can party. Stuff. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> so take you guys out canning party at John's house. To do some, <laughs> but we, we we make preserves. That That's was good. fun. I got mulberry. Well, it's tree. similar. It's it's yeah. very similar to that. You just put tomatoes in it next time. There you go. Or potatoes, or whatever. But I wanted to see your white pill and and uh, advance you one pill because there's something I, I have. I think I've had a realization about about what the future looks like when it comes to the conservative population. All these kids who were forced to wear masks eight hours a day, day after day after day after day, and hated every second of it. And they saw their mother lose her job because she wouldn't take the vaccination. And they saw their daddy lose his job because he wouldn't do X, Y, Z that the government man was telling them to do and watch their lives get destroyed and watch their their, their own person be violated over and over and over, year after, day after day, year after year now. I believe that they grow up and when they become a voting age, they remember what that was and they go, they're not doing that to my kids. I'm not voting for anybody that would that I ever think would have a, a shred of a chance of ever pressing down on us that hard again. I will never vote for them. Yep. It doesn't matter how liberal they might be or whatever. They go, yeah, I'm not voting for that because this has been a horrific experience. I mean, when I got two little boys, you see them little boys putting masks on their faces, oh. see, the, see it going in and out and in and out. You go to a basketball game and they're making kids wear masks running up and down a basketball court. Child abuse yeah. is what that is. And that jacks with their brains. I told my boys, you're not wearing a mask to school anymore. All that the school said we had to. I said, I'm going to send the school a letter. So you look up online and you go, is a mask considered a, uh, is, is it considered an experimental medical device? <laughs> yes, it is. Per the FDA, a mask is considered an experimental medical device when it comes to stopping the contraction of a virus it is on their website go look it up okay let's extrapolate on that then do you have the permission do you have the authority to coerce me into using an experimental medical device no you don't not if i don't give you permission to well then i don't give you permission to well you have to do it anyway or we're going to punish you oh you know what that's in violation of 
Nuremberg Code? I think it is. Go read go read the exact language on that. You are I, not I, allowed to force people to do something against their will, anything medically. And, and if they don't do it, punish them for it. And so I sent a little letter and spelled all that out and put the links on there and highlighted what it said right off the government websites. And guess what I got five minutes later? An opt-out form. Oh, oh interesting. An opt-out form. They didn't want to have that fight. Well, here, here, well they don't want to have any of these quick, fights. Here's, here's the issue I see. I think there's a, there's a rudimentary um, view on, on masks. I think masks work. It, it, it's simple. If you're going to cough or spit on somebody, the mask will stop you from doing it. But then there's questions about forcing everybody, even people who aren't sick, to be wearing one. You know, we used to see all the time uh, people in Asian countries, if you get a cold, they put a mask on just so that they don't cough or spit on somebody. That's simple. I mean, that's basic logic. But then they come in and they say five-year-olds who may or may not be sick, we don't care, just they have to do it. And then there's serious questions about, okay, well, what are you doing to the, the develop, development of their mind if they can't see mouths move, if they can't see human expression while they're communicating mm-hmm. at one of the most formative years of their lives when these kids aren't even sick? Or not only that, but they're substantially less likely to get sick. I can certainly understand if a parent wants to make a choice for their kids. That should be on the parents, not not the government. And this is why I just say the simple solution really is getting your kids out of these schools, getting in pods. But it sounds like you found a solution, which was an opt-out form that they... Well, uh, so I think it goes back to the point that these, these people are generally bullies. Whether it's talking about masking your kid up or it's talking about grooming them in a schoolroom or whatever... They are not willing to go the full distance of what that fight actually looks like if we've got the backbone to take it there. They don't want to go that far. They don't want to go in a courtroom and, and have a, and have a, a, let's go back to the school that's being taught in the schools. Hold up the book mm-hmm. in front of a jury, read the state and federal statutes as to what it says about exposing kids to obscene material, then show the jury the pictures, read the jury the book, and ask the jury, are they guilty of violating these statutes? They're going to go, of course. Okay, judge, what's the penalty for violating the statute? You're in big trouble. Why, is they law, I, why, why isn't it happening, though? Because people are too afraid to stand up. Again, and that is the problem with getting too black-pilled about this stuff. Your average person goes around thinking, I know that what they're forcing on me is nonsense, but I can't make a difference. But like you said, and like you were able to show in the situation yeah. with your kids in the school, if you stand up to these people, it's not always going to work out for you 100% of the time, but you're never going to know unless you try, and the problem is nobody's trying. Yeah, it sounds like the evidence that you accrued, that you sent to them, would be valuable to put public so that other people could grab the evidence and send Dude, it to I their... have a high school diploma. Okay, I'm a self-taught. I read myself. I can think on my own. And I look at this and I go, that's got to be illegal to do that. Surely that's illegal. Well, let's just look. And here you go. And you can find volumes of information as to, yes, your gut instinct was correct. Your common sense proves to be true again. Here's all the ways that that's illegal. And here's all the case law to back it up. And here's what happens when somebody breaks that. And you present that to the other side. They do not want to have that fight out in the well, open. I, I really appreciate what you just said a moment ago. Like, I have a high school diploma. There are so many people who are so overeducated, and then they can't even think to do the simplest possible thing when it comes to protecting their own children. Right? Yeah, it's an indoctrination camp. That's a big part of why. Yeah. Public schooling and the, the college industry, they want you to sit down, wait till you're called on. I mean, Tim dropped <laughs> out. You got out of high school, basically. And then what, what was your... You went to college. You went to an art college. I did, yeah. I know. Can you believe it? Lid, what were you... <laughs> did you do college, Lydia? No, I didn't. You were like homeschooled too for a long time, right? Yeah, so I actually started to take uh, classes that were the um, equivalent of prereqs for nursing because I really like biology and that kind of thing. So there was no doctrin- indoctrination there. They're just like, here's what's up. This is what's really happening. I was and I wildly indoctrinated. Yeah, and yeah. I, had to, I had to break so that mold every day. Yeah. Like, I'm just ready to say yes and, and follow the leader, but I, I'm, it's not what I want. So that's, I have Even- to fight against it. 
It's funny because I went to Catholic school from kindergarten until the end of fifth grade, and I wouldn't even call any of that indoctrinating. Like, they didn't even do a good job teaching me about Christianity. <laughs> no, of course not. It was Catholic school. Yeah, they, don't really, <laughs> they teach you how to learn, which is sit, raise your hand, don't speak unless you're called on, which, first of all, is like, are you kidding? That's, that's a stomps on creativity. You need to let kids express themselves <laughs> right. and be their best self. Mm-hmm. And there's other ways, you know, wait, and you can only go out. You can't leave the classroom unless you're allowed to go for it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the part of the drift, right? So even in a Catholic school, we're, we, we see them now, many of these churches putting up BLM flags yeah, and, exactly. these and stuff. So when I'm a kid, we had religion class. You would take out your religion book at 9 a.m. or whatever. And they wouldn't really actually teach us about the, 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 the complex ideas around spirituality, faith, and the universe. It was kind of just like, read the paragraph. I'll be reading my book. And we learn nothing. I'll be collecting well, like, my salary imagine, at the end of the week. Imagine if Catholic schools were as interested in teaching the students about Catholicism as public schools are at teaching kids <laughs> to become transgender. Right. Uh, I say this to people as a Catholic, as someone who has a deep love for Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin and my faith. You can't assume that a Catholic school is going to be good for your kid. In most instances, in most instances, it won't be. I'm a big advocate of homeschooling, uh, probably because I've never done it. Being facetious, I'm sure it's, it's it's easy for someone who doesn't have kids, but also I know I'm a huge advocate of homeschooling. I think these institutions are are terrible. There are some really good institutions you can still find, but for the most part, you you can't say, oh well, it's like it's a Catholic school, therefore they're going to teach my kids good things. Absolutely my, not. So I, I I grew up in Chicago with a fairly liberal family, but my mom still wanted to homeschool me and my siblings. And then once we, I went to I went to Catholic school, uh, kindergarten to fifth grade, then public school sixth to eighth. Spent a couple months freshman year of high school, and my, my, my parents pulled me out saying it was bad. Went back to homeschooling. We did a correspondence thing where my dad would come in, you know, every day, and then this is where my parents were getting, my parents were getting divorced, but my dad would come in. Like, what did you read about? What did you learn? Ask mm-hmm. me questions. Let's talk about it. We ended up, I ended up, uh, me and my brother sped through the entirety of high school because we could go as fast as we wanted. And I look at the school system as just corrupt for a lot of reasons, outside of what they're doing now with the, the, the creepy conversations with, with, with these children. And they're like, we have to talk about our relationships and our, our significant others. And I'm like, to five-year-olds? That sounds really weird, you know? But it's also just really bad. They don't do a good job of actually teaching kids. Mm-hmm. If I, I, I'm, I'm, I believe that every human has potential. That if you take a kid from anywhere and you give them access to knowledge and you teach them and you show them, here's how you hammer a nail, here's, here's how you, you know, build a bicycle, they're going to learn that. Mm-hmm. I still remember the cheat code from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 on, on Nintendo. B-A, B-A, up, down, B-A, left, right, B-A, start. Why do I remember that? Because that game was <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm 36. <laughs> I played that game for like a few months of my life, and I'll never forget the code for level select in that game. It's yeah. crazy. I got 0073735963 is the password to get to Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's you see? out. Yeah. Now, what if as kids, <laughs> what if as kids, instead of learning that stuff, we were taught something... Like language, for instance. Yeah. Multiple languages, how about? What happens when you go to a school and you've got a kid who's ready to learn and absorb information and they just waste their time? They talk about nonsense and politics. These kids are going to grow up without critical thinking skills. And not just waste their time, but groom them. Yeah. And then on top of that, that. like, well, let's say, let's say we had public schools which functioned effectively and were really teaching kids the things they needed to be taught. The idea that you're going to sit a kid in a desk for six hours a day and end up having any kind of productive outcome from that is insane. Yeah, they make the smart kids wait. Like you, I, I used to stare at the clock and just wait to be done because I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, I want to talk about grooming a little bit because it doesn't have to be, firstly, I don't think it has to be sexual. You can groom someone to be a psychopath to do other bad things. And it doesn't have to be non-parents. I think parents can groom their kids to do evil things if they're bad people. Yeah. Here's the fascinating thing is there's this big, like, the big push now from the left is they're saying, 
uh, uh, parents are, are are grooming kids into heterosexuality uh. by talking about like marriage and things <laughs> like that. that. And I was like, okay, let me let me just make this clear. Uh, the parental rights and education bill prevents a teacher from talking to a five year old about traditional marriage. I mean, the, the bill does that, and then you can't encourage the kid to keep it a secret. So no, that's that's a ridiculous argument. It's not <laughs> happening. The reality is, people are just like, hey, I don't want you talking to my kids about adult content, adult ab- adult issues. Also, it's not for you to decide. One thing that we just have to be able to acknowledge is, if you think that's even remotely true, your brain just doesn't work properly. Telling a child that they can someday grow up and get married and have a family is absolutely not equivalent to trying to encourage them to engage in sexually depraved behaviors when they're older or render themselves infertile but, but not, with experimental I'm, I'm, hormones. But I'm not even saying I'm not even going that far. I'm taking their position on this, where it's like a guy says. My kids might ask me, you know, my students might ask me about having a boyfriend. And it's like, yeah, that's not banned. You can literally be like, yes, it's a photo of my boyfriend. Now, if you want to understand, but, but you're a boy too. Well, maybe you should talk to your parents and, and, and they can help you understand the, these, these more adult concepts. And the kid will say, okay. And that's it. And instead they're like, let me tell you about all of it. Yeah. That, that's, that's not, if, if the kid's confused or doesn't understand because they're not exposed to it, you just simply say, maybe it's something your parents should, should talk to you about. You know, I'm, I'm not here to teach you about that stuff, but, um, you know, it's, to- it's the guise of education. That's all this right. is. They are hiding behind the guise and the excuse of and the shield of, they think, education. If you take the same exact situation, same exact scenario, same exact people, and you put them out in the public park or you put them at a mall or you put them over at somebody's house or whatever, and the same exact thing went down, you would have the right to go after those people. I feel like the the politicians are wrecking the economy as under the guise of politics. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're just a bunch of people that have done a really horrible, horrible thing to us in the last couple of years. I well, think I think Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, uh, they're just they're just they should have retired a long time. They're ago. passively letting the Federal Reserve annihilate our economy. It's it's not no no I, I get that but what I'm saying in addition is, to this other stuff. I mean look at what age do you retire from baseball? You, you guys 38, know? 40, 41. Well, mid, mid, Tim, if there's one thing we've learned, to the left, age is just a number. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Too, yeah. There's that's solar age. Do you guys, do you guys remember when I think, it was, I think it was Snapchat had a sticker that said, age, uh, love has no age? Ugh. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, and they got polls. People were like, what does that mean? I do believe there's solar age. is how many times your body's been around the sun, but then there's, there's your genetic age, and, and some people age faster and slower, depending on how much right, right. damage you're doing to your telomeres. My, my, my point is just simply, in any other industry... All of these people would have retired. You know, not every single one, but like Pelosi, uh, Diane Feinstein, Joe Biden. Come on. You know, it's about time. They should have retired 20, 30 years Why ago. Why do they have power? I don't understand. I mean, it's the this system. It's the system we built that our ancestors built that we can no. vote a popularity contest to put someone in forever. It's it's the apathy of the people. We We are too comfortable. Everything is too good. So people just stopped paying attention. The left stopped paying attention, the, the, the Democrats stopped paying attention, and then the woke nonsense came in, and they just adopted it and said, fine, we'll use it. The right stopped paying attention, and they let the cultural institutions get taken over by woke left insanity, and here we are. That Now, that's a tidal wave that's coming, though, is on the local level. I can tell you right here in Middle Tennessee, every single county in Middle Tennessee has parents and grandparents who are running for school board positions, county commissioners, you name it, all the way up and down yeah. the tickets. And they, these guys are running for the hills. They don't know what to do because the parents are so fired up that the, that the schools won't listen to them uh, and are just running roughshod over their rights as parents. They're just going, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm running for the school board. My name's Sally. Vote for me. And they're like, I'll vote for you, Sally. No problem. I'm telling you, this is happening all over the U.S. They're going to yeah. uh, turn these little, these little local situations upside down 
and I don't think they'll ever get their power back because we we have been asleep. We've been asleep a long time. We just assume that we just assume that well, you know, they're, they got to be good people because they're on the school board. They care about kids, right? That that seems like an easy thing to do. Yeah, but that's not true. They had another agenda as to why they wanted to be on the school board, and now we're all learning that. And so regular old people are standing up and flipping it around. I'd love to be on my kid's school board. Absolutely. When your kids like you and they see you at school, it improves their mood and then they <laughs> right? become more popular and well-liked at school. They're, That's your dad. That's awesome, yeah. man. You know you know what works for uh, uh, TimCast, for our company? I, I encourage people, and within reason, to bring their kids into work when they can. Uh, I, want, I want their kids to see what work looks like. I want them to interact with adults. I think you should treat kids like adults, within reason, obviously, you treat it. You, you can cuss at an adult. You can get into an argument with them. You can show them certain things you wouldn't show a kid. But you talk to them on on uh, on matters age relevant mm-hmm. as you if you were as if they were adults. Mm-hmm. So if they say, "Hey, what is this?" If Ian said, "You know, how do I how do I fix the mic?" I'll be like, "Okay, take the XLR, plug it. That's the cable right there." I would I wouldn't say to the kid, "Okay, this is a microphone, a microphone." No, no, you just talk to them like normal so they can learn. I like it when when the kids can come in. First of all, it's fun. We've got ski ball, we've got a skate park, and I want them to be like, this is exciting. I want kids to look up to success and say, if I work hard and, 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 and I believe in myself, I can accomplish cool stuff too. I can be respected. I can have fun. Mm-hmm. And I want them to see real working adults interact with each other. Here's trade. Here's money being exchanged. Here's, I need this job done. Here's how you help chickens. Here's how you clean the floors. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really like. I think that's infinitely more valuable than what schools do. My family owned a business when I was a kid, and that's what I saw. I, I saw adults talking about politics. They talked to me. They didn't care that I was a kid, and they'd be like, I just, I got to learn from real people. Real, you know. I can tell you some of the stuff I tell my boys uh, is, you want to play baseball? I want to play baseball. I want to be in the MLB. It's 10 years old. <laughs> I go, all right. He goes, and there's this bat. It's called a Marucci bat, and that's like the best bat you could possibly get. He's not on the team yet. I said, I tell you what, I'll get you that Marucci bat. You go pick out the best glove that you want, and that's it. I can't get you on the team, and I cannot hit a home run for you, and I cannot catch a fly ball for you. You got to go out in the backyard and take a hundred swings a day on that thing off that tee. You got to get on the team. I can't. If you don't make the team, that'll be terrible. You know, I'd hate it for you, but that's how this goes. So here's the best bat. Here's the best glove. Make yeah, my dad you, did that too. He got me the uh, Martin Dreadnought. He gave, when I was like wanting to learn guitar, he was like, if you're going to learn a trade, get the best tool you can for yep. it, and that you learn it with that. Yep, but and it's on you to go do it. And there's no lying. You're not no, going to yeah. walk up to the coach and be like, I'm the best player you've ever seen, and he'll be like, you're on the team then. No, he's going to be like, prove it. Yeah. And you can only you can only prove it by doing it. Yeah, when the kid strikes out at the game, you go, well, how many how many swings did you take on the tee this, this week in the backyard? None. He was on your iPad the whole time, right? Yes. But well, sucks striking out in front of all your friends, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I go, well, if you don't want to feel like that again, maybe I'll go out there and swing it. But that's on you. I don't care if you're in MLB or not. I just want you to be good at whatever you do. Yeah. If you want to be good at baseball, go hit, go swing baseball bats. And so he goes, okay. And so little, you're right about kids. People underestimate kids like they don't understand it. Yep. They understand better than most adults because their mind's not cluttered up with all this nonsense mm, that we right. all have. It's very clear to them what you're saying. You yep. should you should treat him with respect when you talk to him. All right, let's go to super chats. If you have not already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show, click the share button if you really do like it, and head over to timcast.com. 
We're going to have that members-only show coming up around 11 or so p.m. Eastern Time, so you don't want to miss that. And I'm saying Eastern Time because we're in Central Time right now, so just yeah. so everybody knows. But a lot of people are often like, what time zone are you in? <laughs> we're currently in Central, but uh, it'll be up 11 p.m. Eastern. Let's read some of these super chats. We got Paul Thongham says, you guys should have people from China Uncensored on again to talk about Shanghai and their zero COVID policy. That would be amazing. We'll definitely look into that. Shock the Casbah says, hey, John. I've played your club in Nashville, even saw your bus. I've given the cabinets a thumbs up. I give the cabinets a thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Right on. What's the club? Redneck Riviera, downtown at yeah. 3rd and Broadway. I gotta go. It's got, a, we'll it's got it an American flag and a Gadsden flag flying right over the top. <laughs> oh, all right, so if, you're, yeah. if you're a vet or a, or an active duty or a first responder, first drinks on the house, we've given away probably 10,000 cocktails so far. Wow. So come come see my bar when you're in town. So cool. That's cool. All right. Murph tries, says, I let my kids watch Chicken City on Saturday. Today, my two-year-old would crow like a rooster. Then from the other side of my house, my five-year-old would yell, chicken party. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Here's yeah. the great work, you guys. Here comes culture. the next hit piece. Like, is Tim Pool, is, is Sir Timothy Cass turning children into chicken wannabes with yeah. his programming? I've got some. Is it a bad influence? Some far-left activist chicken is, like, posting party. screenshots from our vlog channel, which is, like, Skateboarding, rollerblading, um, enhanced interrogation cookies. techniques, you know, the usual. It's like making Skits. cake, making, getting a cake for Ian's birthday, and they're like, look at the far right. Look what, <laughs> look at the, the people supporting them, and it's like a guy playing guitar and singing. It's like someone singing Kumbaya, and I'm like, yo, you've lost it. Exactly. Well, and I'm going to say something that if they were ever going to act on would be like, you know, bad for us, but they're too stupid to. Uh, it's actually really good for us that they're doing that, because the whole point of the vlog is we're just trying to show people you can, have fun, build culture, etc., while still being conservative, or at the very least not on the left. And so for them to try to make it sound like it's scary that we're doing everyday normal things is just going to make us seem more normal. appealing and likable right. to an audience. It feels like people are throwing pebbles at a rocket ship as it's taking off. And it's like, you know, throw as many right. as you but want. I, but, but, but also, you look like a lunatic when you do that. Yeah, and, 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 and like, history will show that. So stay I, strong I, and keep going. I can only imagine <laughs> the advertisers are getting these emails from people like, look at what you're su supporting. And it's like someone playing a guitar for chickens and they're like i really don't understand how this is bothering anybody <laughs> all right yeah, high fiving tipping really well when we go out no. they, they just show them tim's ad friendly chicken shell yeah they're like look at this <laughs> check ads all right uh why and it's chickencitylive.com now that's right oh great and um it is uh, uh so it's only it's only, we've only been hitting good super chats for the past uh, week but at the current rate it will be one of the highest grossing super chat shows in the world because of how just ridiculous people are just throwing money at the chickens. They love it. You get the chicken <laughs> the party. Sinister I like the, right. the interactive ch uh, super chat thing is incredible. You give five bucks, treats come down, the chickens all run to get it. What is it? Yeah. It, it builds up to $100, and then the, and the, then the sky the egg chickens. releases the sky goods. Yeah. We, we, we increase the duration of the parties. They're over a minute now. I'm so glad. And so the chickens go nuts. And yeah, they come running when they hear the song. music. I have a chicken song. Are you serious? Oh. It's called I Play Chicken with the Train. Cowboy oh, Troy. Right. Yeah. Go look up Cowboy Troy. I, I play chicken with that's the train. Great train big and rich. And you, you want a real slamming country rock, rock oh and rap gosh. song for your chickens. I'm just saying it would be an honor to oh, have yeah. our song. Yeah, let's do yes, it. Super awesome. The next plan was we're going to create a shuffle mix. <laughs> yeah. So every chicken okay. party is a different song. And I was like, we need a rap one. We could do country rap. We could Absolutely. rock. We got dance. You got to use Dude, that screaming know, chicken these, party intro to all of them. Right. If these <laughs> chickens end up having too many parties, they're just going to become depressed. Are they going like, to get they're back? They're not going to be able to survive. Yeah. Good times create weak chickens. We, 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 <laughs> so, you know, we we don't give them that much treats. Only maybe like, I think like 10 mealworms fall out at a time. 
and there's what 14 chickens so they all rush to get them but i gotta be honest the chicken parties they, there might be like 30 or 40 that come out and people keep doing it so i'm like i know because the, realize the other option would be raise the cost of the chicken parties up because the more people that come otherwise it's going to be a chicken party 24 7 which i'm not against. well i got an idea i got an idea then you have a chicken rehab show here's, here's my <laughs> idea yeah. Hold on. Chicken rehab. a drama this reality show here's my Poultry idea rehab my idea is right now we're using very rudimentary oh, code man. But I would love to get dynamic code where when the chicken meter fills all the way up, it doesn't just trigger. It starts at 100 and then counts down to zero. So the party goes on for the duration of the meter, which means while the party is happening, if you super chat, it'll bounce back up and keep partying. Oh, good idea. So then people could keep throwing money to keep the party going. going. Keep the party going. And Mm. people will be like, all right, let's read some more super chats. We got Wyofed. He says, hey, guys, question for Mr. Rich. Does he have another collab in the works with Mike Rowe? Ooh. Oh, cool. Great question. Uh, me and Mike have been talking about that, actually. Th- thanks Ooh. for adding. We did a, a Christmas song called Santa's Got a Dirty Job. Oh, yeah. Because Mike oh, Rose missed a dirty job, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, I was hanging out with Mike, and I said, "We got. he's got this great voice. People don't realize Mike Rowe was uh, sang opera for like 12 years. Yep. What? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's a phenomenal yeah, he singer. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal singer. So he How goes, he goes that? that'd be great, John. You should write a Christmas song. called." So I wrote it, and he came to Nashville. We recorded so awesome. it, we put it out, and this song, I was telling you uh, before we went on, this song went number one on the sales chart across all genres and knocked Adele wow. out of number one Whoa. for eight days when oh, her new record crazy. had just come out. So you know they're sitting over there in London, New York, going, Mike Rowe and John Rich, Santa's got a dirty <laughs> job. Adele's at number two for eight Dude, days. This right is on. poor Adele. This keeps happening. You remember the article we were reading about how the Let's Go Brandon song knocked Adele out right. of first place? <laughs> and this right. left-wing journalist Politics. was super upset about it. Yeah. All right. Matthew Hammond says, I thought country music was safe until I started I started hearing some big acts coming out for gun control after Sandy Hook. How do we keep these ideas out of our culture? Boycotts? Mm. Mm. Better ideas. Yeah. There's a there's quite a there is quite a void uh, gulf between the music industry, the country music industry, and the country music audience. I mean, massive. And every now and then you'll hear somebody poke up and say something from the industry side, and the the fans go, "I don't think so." Well, that's only happened a couple of times because they understand what the backlash is like. But in reality, a lot of the people on Music Row here in Nashville, not all, but many, majority. They would be the ones that would call those people out there listening to country music the deplorables. Anybody that voted for Trump, they uh, there have been major record producers in Nashville that after the after Trump was elected, the guy walks in, he's got all these musicians sitting in a room in a big session. He goes, "If anybody voted for Trump, raise your hand." Two guys raised their hand, and he fired them on the spot and kicked them out of the studio. I mean, that's the culture now of Music Row. It's not the culture of a lot of the artists, but it is the culture of the industry. Well, take a look at. Uh you're familiar with what happened with the Offspring and their drummer, yes, Pete Parada. Oh, yep. he's he's we got him. He got he's recording tracks with us. Good, and it is a it is a, a childhood dream come true. On the one where you said the high, who was singing the highs? Yeah, that's Pete Parada oh, okay. on the drums. He's so yeah, he's good. incredible. So uh, I'm a kid playing Offspring covers, and he's the, he's he was there. I think I think maybe their second drummer or maybe third, maybe their third. third. I think right. it's third. Yeah. They, had, they had an early drummer who wasn't there for that long, mm-hmm. and uh, he plays with them for for almost two decades. And then they disrespect him like that. That you know he he, he couldn't get vaccinated because of uh, Guillain-Barré syndrome. And then I we end up meeting him. He says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely roll, roll some tracks with you." Now I get the privilege, the honor of getting to record <laughs> songs with this this you know. He's so good the way he slides drummer. across the head of the drum. I mean, I don't know why. It's just I mean, amazing. musical outlaws were always the ones who went against what the government said to do. Mm. Yeah. 
How punk rock. Those to, were the actual your... outlaws that said, well, you know, I don't think so. And they would buck the system. Now it's the other way where all the tough guys out there, the Bruce Springsteens and so forth are out there going, you better do everything the government tells you to do <laughs> or you can't come to my concert if you don't follow it to the letter. I'm like, what happened to outlaw musicians? What happened to the punk rock. rambunctious punk rock? Mm-hmm. Hey, take two of these and call me in the morning attitude. Yeah. From all of our American artists. Where did that go? It's almost like now the conservative artists are the new outlaws. It's weird. Mm, yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. All right. Dean Sherwood says, long time watcher, first super chat. I really enjoy the trailer shows. Please ask John about the song 8th of November. Heartbreaking. Loved you guys at We Fest 2019. Come mm. back soon. So what is 8th of November? 8th of November. One of the great things about country music is we get to write songs about actual people, actual places, actual events put them into a song, put them out, and they actually get played. Like it's real as a heart attack. So this song is about a Vietnam veteran, uh, Big Kenny and I met in South Dakota, Deadwood, South Dakota, outside of Sturgis. He was our bartender. This was before we had had a record deal. And this guy tells us a story about a battle November 8th, 1965, Mm. the first major ambush of Vietnam. Uh, all All 27 out of 30 guys were killed, except this one guy and two others. But they shot him up so bad that he went to Walter Reed for two years, Mm. getting over his injuries. He limped out of Walter Reed, and guess what this guy does? He signs up and does three more tours of Vietnam for the United States Army, and then retires back in his home state of South Dakota. And he's telling us his story. And I said, dude, you're an actual, legit American hero. Yes. He goes, I ain't no hero, man. The ones that didn't come back are the real heroes. So we wrote this song the 8th of November. We took him all the way back to the... We had former communist Vietnamese guys take us back up the Mekong Delta and out into these fields into a crater that was made by one of our bombs right in the field where all those guys got slaughtered. Took him down in there, had a shot of whiskey, sang the 8th of November. It's on YouTube. If you look up 8th of November documentary, you'll find it. That's amazing. That's what country music really is to me. That's why I make it. Because I can experience something real and I don't have to filter it. I can just tell you about this incredible guy or tell you about this incredible situation. And the fans eat it up and they love it because even though it's not their granddaddy, not their uncle, it reminds them of the people in their family that they love so much. Wow. Great beautiful. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Uh, Which country artist inspired you the most? I think the greatest singer-songwriter that ever lived was Johnny Cash. Mm. I think, and the reason I say that is because he could say more with fewer words than anybody that ever put a pencil to the page. If you write out a, the lyrics to a Johnny Cash song, it'll take up a third of the page, and that's it. That's the whole song. But it's a tidal wave and Mount Everest of information and feeling that comes out of that. It's like in the way it vibrates right here in his chest as it's coming out, and you can kind of hear the, the, the emotions in his in him. He was so in effective mind. in everything that he did and so powerful and never duplicated. One of the problems I have with modern music is I say it, it sounds like it went to the school of redundancy school. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. I, get all, I can, I can I just know. interchange the artists and interchange the, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the songs. But back in the day, you know, you had real characters that there's only one Dolly Parton. Do you mm. think it's auto-tune? Mm. Right. Like auto-tune yeah. that homogenizes the industry or, no, or maybe I think pharmaceuticals? it's culture that homogenizes them. It's what we've been talking about this entire yep. podcast, that this system, this machine that's in place is trying to break out any individuality whatsoever. Break it down, flush it out, get rid of it. Everybody's got to think the same way, do the same mm-hmm. thing. And when that when those kids grow up and start making music, that's kind of how they think. They don't really have the nerve to step outside of the box and, and take chances. All right. We got Amanda who says, today is my daughter Sophia's seventh birthday. She Ooh. watches your show. Can you please wish her a happy birthday? Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sophia. 
Nice job, Sophia. Happy seventh birthday. Yes. Congratulations. You did All it. Right. <laughs> Dallas Smith says, ask John if he's still friends with, is that uh, Lilia Stepanova? I was friends with her in high school, and she claimed to be close friends with you. She's the OG barefoot bow contortionist. If so, tell her I said, hey, love your work, by the way. <laughs> I have not talked to her in a long time, but uh, wow, that's that's, but a, that's a that's a pretty incredible person. Yeah, she can do. do you meet so many people out on the road. I'm 48. I took off on the road at 18 years old. Wow. I've been going been going the whole time. If there's a like I said, a town more than twenty thousand people, I've probably played it at least twice. Did you wow. do Blossom Music Center? You're a player over there? Up What's in that? Akron Blossom Music Center. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my home. That's big country music territory. <laughs> yeah, up man. There. That's, yeah. that's my blood. All right. Wayne Shannon says, check out the survivalpodcast.com. Learn to live a better life. Mm. If times get tough, or even if they don't. I've been listening to Jack Science, uh, or or Jack since twenty twelve. It's changed my life. It says science, but I think when when people do voice to text Things like that happen. All right. Philip Hughes says, question for John. Are you going to take Tim on a sightseeing tour of Nashville in your Cadillac convertible like you did Ben Shapiro? <laughs> uh, I washed it yesterday, Tim. And maybe, maybe. It's a 68 Cadillac DeVille Ooh. convertible. That is, that is the slickest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> I, it would be my honor to put it's got a giant back seat too put all you fellas in that oh, sucker beautiful. take you right down Broadway hooping and hollering pull right up in front of Redneck Riviera and let's get you on stage to jam a little bit with one of the bands well, when can we do it huh? Saturday you tell me when Saturday. I know a guy that's got a Cadillac in a bar hey what's that <laughs> <laughs> be happy to take you I'm totally down. Or I also have a Smokey and the Bandit car. You might want that one. Whichever one you think is the best, uh, we could we could do Saturday. Theoretically, we could do uh, Thursday or Friday afternoon. They close at 11, though. 11 p.m. Central Time. What yeah. does? I I was looking at the hours, and I was like, I'd really like to go to this bar. It looks well, like my, it closes Well, my 11. bar, if, if, if we know we're going, it does not close. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> there talking. you go. Well, no, no, no. We, we, in the afternoon, in between my morning yeah. show and night show. Or, or just Saturday. You know, Na- let's, let's Nashville is a drinking town with a music problem, so mm, just yeah, be yeah. very aware of that before you go downtown. You know, when uh, we walked around, I think Sunday through Nashville, it is the greatest downtown I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. I love music. I've been playing music my whole life. New York is random. There's different neighborhood pockets, and it's just you got to find the place. Chicago, it's all business downtown. There's art museums and stuff like that. Los Angeles doesn't have a downtown. And then I come to Nashville, and I'm like, it's live music. You walk up to one 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 bar restaurant... You can hear live music. You walk ten feet, totally different song mm-hmm. playing, different artists, and I'm like, "This is amazing." Oh, wow. Both sides of the street, both sides. All of the, the doors street. are open. It's stereo coming back and forth. And listen, we open up at Redneck Revere at about nine thirty in the morning. We close at two thirty at night. Woo. And there are live music literally all day long and into the night. People come here from all over the world to hear that talent, and the talent comes here from all over the world. They come so, here from everywhere. We got we got a girl from England that's over here. We got we got uh, a band from Australia. That moved to Nashville. That's playing at my bar. It's it's an incredible what's, place what's, to visit. What's the capacity for the, the stage and everything? Like how many people? Well, I've got three floors. I got a rooftop bar, so it depends on which floor you're on. I too. think I think <laughs> people might come if we do this on Saturday. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I think a lot of people yeah, might. Show hey, up. like we say in Nashville, don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. I'll be. I'll, that would be amazing. I'd love to play some songs. I'm cool. sure Ian. We yeah, love to have songs. You. Rock and roll. We'll hang out, Seamus. Will you be there? I won't be there. Oh, no, I'll travel right. for Easter. That's oh, right. Man. That's right. I'll scream your name out. Please, <laughs> thank you, Ian. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll zoom in with my harmonica. Perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's grab some more. Busted Knuckles says, "I live in Rio. Last census was 250k. I know my family will be okay, but the way Amarillo is, is Amarillo is it? Amarillo. Amarillo uh, is. I fear the city folk will destroy it if it goes bad. People here won't take it well. We're already pissed off. Mm. Oh man." 
All right, let's let's jump down and try not. and grab some more super chats. Cause we're having too good of a time here. You guys rock out there. Yeah, seriously. The super chats are right in front of me now with this setup. I like it. <laughs> Grim Reaper said, "Here's another reason to have a 30 plus mag. Boars travel in packs. Hit one and doesn't fall uh, off the first time. Hit uh, f- off the first hit." The will all charge and tear apart a human. You need every round to save your <laughs> life hunting. You ever see that viral tweet where the guy said 30 to 50 feral hogs coming through my yard and all of these, you know, gun control liberals laughed at him and mocked him. And then all of a sudden articles pop up saying, actually, yeah, hogs are a serious problem. In yeah. Oh, yeah. Areas. They overpopulate. Millions everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're terrible. But these people live in cities are like, oh, 30 hogs and, are crazy. And feral hogs will kill you. <laughs> oh, they yes. will. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. as dangerous as anything yeah. ever was. Yeah. Absolutely. I heard regular farm pigs will kill you. They will. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've, I've been told. On hog farm. Like, if you, when you walk into the pig pen, they'll start nipping at your heels and your legs, and you got to, like, push them back well, with those sticks. Well, boars, those boars got tusks just like that. You know, pigs will yeah. eat each other. Oh, yeah. They are, I mean, they are mean, oh, yeah. boy. I just, I just watched a, a, a pig crush a chicken bone. Yeah. Yes, I I didn't know that, but you give him a chicken bone. It's like a redneck hippopotamus. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, it is. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, no, they're da- people don't realize they're dangerous animals. They are, yeah. I mean, huge. Dorothy fell in the pig pen and was revived, remember? Jeez, and they all yeah. freaked out because they knew the pigs are going to eat yeah. Dorothy. You know what it is? Wow. It, there, there is just a complete lack of respect for nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, man. Yeah. The, the and, terror and, and, bird is one of the one. Look up the interest. terror bird. That thing used to exist. You ever hear the terror bird? It's like no. this nine-foot-tall vulture-looking ostrich bird that used to hunt humans. And or if we're going with extinct animals, man. Oh, okay. my goodness. <laughs> I don't want to derail gotta... too far. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you need a rocket launcher? Tyrannosaurus Rift. That's <laughs> right. All right. Andrew Hobson says, thanks for a horse of a different color. Mm. It made my childhood and many road trips. Also, Tim has radicalized me. I thought I was pro-2A because I wanted a select fire rifle but after hearing you <laughs> I would want a military warship if I could afford it oh, dreams are free I guess <laughs> yeah, awesome. back in the day people had warships mm-hmm. and and, the, and, and cannons and cannons okay. despite yeah. what Joe Biden has said mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he's like you can't buy you can buy a cannon now you can buy a cannon we should mount one on the country, man well the, the, the stupid thing about that is antique firearms aren't even considered legally regulated firearms mm-hmm. so right. flintlock pistols are just they're not you're not going to be able to do anything with it I mean mm-hmm. you could but they're not regulated so, yes, you can have cannons. Can I give a piece of gun advice? Yeah. Yeah. So, there's a thing called any gun owners out there, if you own a few guns or whatever you got, it's a thing called a gun trust. And you can, you can, it's basically a family trust. You're the head of the trust. It's, think of it as an LLC. You can sign over the ownership of all your weapons into the family gun trust. Wow. And if anybody ever does come to you and says, give me all your guns, you show them a piece of paper and go, I don't own any guns. Oh. The trust owns the guns. I'll see you in a courtroom, That's right. and then they got to go. They got to go pierce the, the the veil of that LLC to get down to you. It's a whole la- layer wow. of protection. It's a few hundred dollars. It's not crazy expensive. Uh, I would suggest if you have if you have a any kind of collection of, of weapons at all, think well, about getting a gun trust. Would, that, would, would that give multiple uh, ownership then? Like- yes. Yeah, so you, uh, your family members, anybody, if you're you're the executor of it. You can add on your wife, your kids, wow. your uncle, whoever. So you, you know, pass away, they don't inherit the guns. They're just part of the trust. Wow. Wow. That's actually really that's brilliant. brilliant. Go look that up. So there's also questions about who has a right to, you know, on your property, use a weapon. And so what I'm told in some areas, let's put it this way, the cops are like, in the in an emergency, someone can take the weapon. But, you know, they're like, but you, you sh- someone shouldn't be bearing a weapon. That, they, they can't come into your house and take a gun that doesn't belong to them for no reason. Mm-hmm. There's like rules and stuff. I suppose they, they try to be more lax about it, like depending on which state you're in, but there are some states that are ridiculous and strict. 
So that's one way to. You mean like you mean somebody coming into your house and taking one of your weapons? Like if if you own a gun and then someone else who is is hanging out your house takes that and starts using it, they, they some states are very very strict on you are in possession of a got it. Someone else in your home, right? Right. right. So, so listen, but you're talking about using it in self defense, not someone taking it in self defense. So I don't I don't trust these these states, the seven evil yeah. states or whatever. When they're like, oh no no, you're not supposed. People who don't own the gun aren't allowed to use it because it's got you got you got you to have a handgun license. Mm -hmm. But in self defense, it's fine. I'm like, nah, I don't trust you. You're 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 not. Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, you might say that, but am I going to trust the the DA or whatever yeah. government official? No. If it's self defense, defend yourself and let's go hash it out down the road. I don't mean, don't stand there worrying about right. somebody's statute if it's if it's your life on the line. It's right? just it's ridiculous that it's even a even a factor to be honest. Yeah, I know you, that you, they would tell you don't defend your life. Like, no, you're better off just sitting there and letting it happen. Like, come on, what the, yeah, no, man, welcome to reality well, in like the I United said, States. Th this is a culture that is literally bent on punishing people for trying to protect themselves and trying to prepare for the future. It's insane. I think it's because of Suicidally aggressive stupid. protection. Right. Like the Romans, they would kill everyone around them to protect their home city. So that it, there's a, it's a the whole discussion about that. I want to I want to read this one, but I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Liberty Bell says, "When the city libs get desperate enough to work on farms." The jobs will be taken by the immigrants they fought to protect. I mean, let's just be real. Mm. Many of these uh, undocumented illegal immigrants, these people are coming through the border, who are doing uh, day labor or working on farms, have more skills. So yeah. uh, I, I've been to the farms in California where illegal immigrants are working and they're getting paid. They get paid like 10 bucks an hour. So if someone comes from the city and says, I need a job, I'm going to be like, this guy knows how to do it. You don't. Can you outwork this guy? Yeah, it's right. not going to happen. But I mean, that's basically what happens these days anyway. When when these factories try and hire people illegally because they can pay them under market under market prices, what's going to happen do. is they're going to go to the, the farm and be like, "I heard you guys need a poet on the farm. <laughs> Will you hire me the, for that?" The chickens are bored, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this one because I said I was right. Donut uh, oh. fighting says Tim is kind of right here. Masks work when used properly. I started as a nurse, right as COVID started. Masks need to be disposed of between patients. Yes. Correct. But it's also like, look, if I'm talking and then I, I spit, because sometimes you do, yeah, you can get people sick that way. And if you're wearing a mask, you're not going to spit on them. But mandating that every single person, whether they're sick or not, has to wear it, and mandating every single child, whether they're sick or not, has to wear it, now that's just government overreach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know that if you sneeze or something in a mask, the kind of mask that we all wear... And your and somebody standing next to you, they could have a mask on too if their eyes are even open. Right. Mm -hmm. And those particles, it's like the the joke right. of if you can smell the fart, you're not protected from the virus. Mm -hmm. It's like the particles of that virus are so smaller than scent particles. You know, th they're going to get out. They're going to float around in the air for a minute. They, I they mean, come out the, the tops and the sides. That's why. That's why the FDA called it a experimental medical device just, when it comes to stopping just, the virus. Don't you know, up. is it? Is I couldn't it, is find it, it. I was trying to find it. I, I just think in terms of the simplistic, it'll provide some protection. To yeah. what degree? That's the debate. It works for what it does, which is to block the spit. That's the main reason. But, but is it like thing. wearing a gas mask? No, of course not. But, but, but my issue ultimately comes down to, I hate arguing the science because I care more about the liberty. Going to children and be like, we don't care if you're sick, wear it. Yeah, I'm you like, got to nah, weigh the nah, consequences nah, nah. of it for sure, man. Like, well, the kids aren't, if, if, if they were like, hey, if you're sick, we want you to wear the mask, I'd be like, well, I kind of understand that. But if they're like, we don't care if the kid's sick or not, I'm like, okay, this is stupid. 
Well, if your kid is sick, you don't send them to school. Right. I mean, exactly. Come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. let's go right to that. They're like, you're not feeling well. Yeah. You got, oh, you got a, you got a little temperature. You're staying home today. You yep. know, go on to school just wearing your mask. Nobody says that. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to read this yeah. one. This one, oof. Beastly Devil says, Tim, Va- uh, a Vosh video showed up last night where he is a, f- he's featured on a panel with other political pundits. He was making a case for teaching kids about sex in regards to promoting. Uh. Abuse prevention. Uh, no, Vosh, come on. You're the last guy who should be come advocating on, for that stuff because, well, I guess actually you're, most people would assume you would. So if you're trying, so he, he's, he's got these quotes that are suspect and he was like, no, no, people are taking it out of context. I'm like, okay, if you want to explain it that way, that was out of context, you shouldn't be doing things like that. Granted, I didn't see what this video is. So, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was real. All right, let's grab. Uh, we'll try and grab a couple more. We just got so many super chats, man. I wish we could, I wish we could read them all. Yeah. Matthew Greger says, "Shout out to Seamus. Tim, you should have Doctor Sakonicus uh, from Christendom Christendom College in Front Royal. Hmm. It would make a great discussion." That said, I have a soft spot for small liberal arts colleges. Also, Seamus, I have an icon for you if there's a good place to mail it. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. So I think there's a P.O. box, right, Tim, that yeah, uh, people site, can send yeah. fan mail to. So if you find that on the website. And I very much appreciate the shout out. Thank you. God Tim, bless Timcast. you. Timcast.com about section. We have a P.O. box. All right. Wotan Volk says, Mr. Rich, I was happy to see you on the show. Thanks for being strong and standing on your principles like men should do. Hmm. It is refreshing to hear that. to hear hear you talk about your kids that way. People should fear coming for your kids because there are a lot of people who are just scared to stand up and they need to hear they need to hear that strong mm-hmm. sentiment. Don't back down. I think you 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 got to man, you got to put on your own oxygen mask before you put on the masks of others. That's so correct. Yeah. You got to make sure you're taking care of your friends and your family. All right, we'll grab a couple more. John Samuel says, "Hey, my name is Sammy Mitchell." Producer, songwriter here in Nashville, produced to Luke Combs and other stuff. Can I come hang on the cast while you're in town? Reach out. IG Sammy Mitchell. Uh, security is super tight here. And especially <laughs> considering what's been going on, been going on in the past, in, in this, these past few months, you know, we got swatted eight times or whatever. Plus the bomb squad showed up. So I don't know if we can, I, I think that's going to be a no, but I guess Saturday. We'll, meet us uh, down there. Well, yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll play some we'll play some music. I'll tell you that Luke Combs is one of the best new guys out there. Yeah, he's Luke good. Combs oh, yeah. legit. Yeah. Great country singer. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Well, I think this Saturday sounds like we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a blast and we're gonna have uh, <laughs> I guess effectively a hangout. Bring your ID, yeah. Sammy, because other people might tell me that they're Sammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's. Um, what else? What is it? Karen Bay says, "Is a trust legal in New Jersey? Because nothing else is." Look it up. <laughs> That's kind of what I was getting at. New wow. Jersey and Maryland are dark states when it comes to guns, and I, I just, wouldn't trust them. Well, I just looked up Maryland, and it looks like it is an option, and some legal places can look at it for you. So cool. You can just look at it for your state. Right on. Well, everybody, make sure you head over to timcast.com, become a member. We're going to have that members-only show coming up in just about an hour. We record it and then we upload it, and it goes up around 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, as a member, you're supporting our journalists, so don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show if you really do like it, or if you're listening on the podcast, give us five stars. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL basically everywhere. You can follow me at Timcast. Uh, you want to shout anything out, John? Uh, if you want to check out some of the stuff I'm doing, go to RedneckRiviera.com. I've got a whiskey in 13,000 stores Ooh. across America. Uh, 10% goes to the Folds of Honor, which I'm wearing their their sweatshirt today. They put kids through college who lost a parent in combat. We've wow. now funded over a million dollars in three years to that to that organization. So check out that site. Right on. Yeah, man. Cool. 
I'm Seamus. I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes where we make cartoons, political satire. We're releasing a very funny one tomorrow about Joe Biden and one Thursday about these groomer teachers. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, check it out. I'm Ian Crossland. Hello, everyone, and goodbye. Uh, hey, good to see you, dude. <laughs> good great to meet you. Yeah, yeah this was, awesome. was great. Time. Yeah. I am also here in the corner. Thank you very much for coming, John. I have to say, you are activating memories that I forgot I had because I love songs like The Eighth of November. Yeah. I love to say very little bit scandalous but i love save a horse ride a cowboy that's a, a hilarious, horse, a cowboy. That was a hilarious what, party what? song it was great it was yeah. just like um it caused a small baby boom in the early 2000s i, I was gonna say i'm <laughs> sure there was there were net effects from that song that was wild but i really enjoyed your work so i appreciate I'm it so glad you could come anyway you guys can follow me on twitter at sarah Patchlids, uh and on minds.com and i also have sarah me we will see you all at timcast.com thanks for hanging out bye guys Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.